Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone from the comfort of my streaming lair because it is the first week following a release of an expansion. Uh, so that means only one thing that your friend and mine, Coin Kitty Seeds Ridiculous Hat, has come on to join me to talk about all of the hundred plus decks that we have been collecting over the past week. I am I'm very excited to have you back, Hat. I am I am very excited to talk about all of these decks that we have in front of us. Necklace. So Necklace. Necklace. Yeah. And this expansion has been uniquely fruitful, I think, especially for a mid-year expansion. We don't typically see this kind of shakeup. No, and and I think like this is one of the things that Andrew and I were talking about when we did the last part of the card review is that it feels like normally like the last couple of years like the build around cards were in the first set and then those just kind of stuck with us and now they didn't really give us a whole lot of those in rise of shadows other than like the lackeys and stuff like that and then they gave us a whole bunch of build around cards in the second set that you would need to do things differently than in the first set unless you know you're mage and you just you know put a whole bunch of different cards in your deck and just keep doing the same thing that you're doing but um, but you know, between the the Highlander cards and the quests, like there's a lot of a lot of push to do things differently than we did them in Rise of Shadows, and I think that's a good approach. Yeah, well, and when we look back at second sets, we actually have a really small sample size, right? I think it's four. This is number um, four. I mean, it, it, and you can't even necessarily even count one night in Karazhan because that was an adventure. Well, it was an adventure for the standard format as well to Shaman Land. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and I think we can count it because it was meta impactful just in all the wrong ways. True. Cuz those 45 cards were more relevant than uh probably about 90 cards in Rastakhan's Rumble, unfortunately. But then it's only really last year where Boomsday made a small impact, not a big one, and it really did make Odd Warrior really 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 good, but didn't do much else. It, it, the first week the first like 2 days were interesting and then it kind of was just like Warrior and what you were doing before. Um but two sets ago, Knights of the Frozen Throne was pretty build aroundy. It followed Angoro, but like, it's hard to say that KFT didn't have build arounds. Just one ended up being way better than all the other one. Well, also that you know the Druid cards were so good that it made it hard to really do anything. Like we needed Druid to get nerfed in order to. Um, you know, and just in order to, to be able to play with the rest of the cards, other than, you know, Rosin and Anduin, obviously. So it's, it, it is, it's weird because it feels like, but it feels like we kind of get here about, we're about one week in now. Actually, we're, we're exactly one week in that we're recording this. And now it's starting to feel like we're starting to get around the best decks and, and the whole mage and warrior thing that I guess is like the elephant in the room that we probably ought to talk about first before we get into the individual deck lists is it, it's starting to rear its ugly head and it's starting to uh, you know as people start stop experimenting and start just trying to climb we're starting to see more gravitation towards those two classes just because some of the cards that are in that set are just head and shoulders above the rest of the classes and so we're starting to see them a lot even if they're in different forms than we were seeing them before well, like, we still had imbalance coming into this meta, right? It, yeah. it, not yeah. substantial imbalance. And I think, honestly, the imbalance we have now, particularly with Mage, is what was perceived to be before but wasn't actually accurate on Ladder. It was accurate in Specialist. And Specialist was 100% Mage-dominated 
on ladder, Cyclone Mage was like 50.5% win rate. It was, I think, the sixth or seventh best deck, maybe. But now Mage is, it's, this set has so many Ungoro parallels. And I love a lot of things about it. And I really, really do. And I want to make sure I'm clear. But Ungoro had the same thing where Mage had about 50 good cards. And you put whichever 30 in a deck that you want and name it, name it whatever you want to name it. Secret, aggro, Gunther. That's fine. We can just call it Gunther. That's just the name of the deck. Uh, freeze, burn, freeze, burn, whatever you want to do. Like 60% of the good mage cards in the format was a deck no matter how you jumbled them up. And we have that again now. Where there's so many good mage cards and however you jumble them up, they're all good. Yeah. Or, or like Druid before Wild Growth and Nourish got, Wild Growth and Nourish got nerfed. And it was just kind of the same 24 cards or whatever. And then you picked your win condition. And, and I mean, I guess, well, we should go in order, but it, it, you know, so we'll start with Druid and then we'll come back to this when we talk about Mage. But I, I, I feel like, I don't want to, I don't want this to feel negative because I feel like this format is like almost there. And like, if we can just bring like Pocket Galaxy and Dr. Boomad Genius and like one or two other cards that are tuned a little bit too high and we bring those da- back down to earth, I think we're, we could end up with a really diverse meta at the end of that. Yes, absolutely. There are a few power spikes that may not even be better in win rate, but are, but are, they feel better in play pattern when you're the one driving the bus that it's going to be hard to choose strategies against them. And we'll see what happens if, if Conjurer's Calling wins two Masters Tours in a row. I know that's not ladder, but Blizzard's going to take this deck and, and cut it to pieces. There's no way they let that win two tournaments in a really major visible way in a row without it getting completely eviscerated. So we'll see what happens in, well, five days. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder, even if it doesn't, it may just be that we see it so much and see that versus warrior or warrior versus warrior or mage mirror is enough that it may just be enough to to push them over the top because like the other thing to keep in mind is that we're going to you know these these games are going to take a long time when we get to masters tour soul like i'm really kind of afraid of what like it's supposed to end at like seven in the morning my time eastern time our time and i have a feeling it's going to be going well into the morning just because those warrior mirrors are going to take so long. They're probably yeah. going to take at least as long as they did before. Well, I mean, we don't have we don't have Elysiana getting bounced, but I mean, the games are just going to take just as long. And like I'm remembering like Frodan and TJ missing Game of Thrones one week of Grandmasters because of warrior mirrors. So <laughs> the best part about Pocket Galaxy is those games do not take long. They right. are very quick when that card gets cast on five. Whereas the insidious power of warrior, uh, that takes a little bit longer to manifest itself. But we'll we'll get to those we'll get to those decks in a minute. I guess we should probably go in uh, in alphabetical Wait, so order. Warrior is the last alphabetically, right? Yes. So are we saving the best for last? Um, if we put tempo warrior after control warrior, then yes. I was quoting Laser Yeti directly to you and you what is, have been what is what is laser i don't even know what laser yeti is omega devastate oh is that is that oh it's a <laughs> yeti that shoots a laser and it says save the best for last and warriors last steve come on that was like finnegan's wake there were so many I, layers to that i thought that was referring to reno 
No, Laser Yeti's a four mana four five that shoots oh, big laser. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I didn't say that. I did. That's not what I said. <laughs> I, this is what this is now. This is what getting old feels like. I, I feel like I'm not down with the lingo that the kids are using. Well, it, it says save the best for last is a soundbite, and Warrior is the last and is currently the best deck on ladder. Yes. So, so we, we will together. save the Laser Yeti for last. Yes. Perfect. Okay. We figured it out. <laughs> All right. So we can start with Druid. I mean, if we're going to start with, if we're going to save the best for last, we can start, we can put the worst in for the beginning. Because uh, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of experimentation with the quest. That seems to be where most, I mean, there's a token Druid. We don't really need to talk about token Druid because it's token Druid with a couple of different cards. But a lot of the experimentation has been around quest Druid and trying to turn quest Druid into new 26 cards in a win condition, but it doesn't 100% get there. Um, a lot of them are relying... I mean, there's a couple that are just like, put a whole bunch of good cards in your deck and try to outvalue your opponent, which sort of works and sort of doesn't. And then a lot of them are, are going around the Nomi or a Maligos or this bizarre abomination that Zanananan put together that... Did you see, have you seen this, the Quest APM Druid? It's, so... I have looked at it. I don't know if I've seen it. Yeah. I, I have looked at this deck list, and I don't know why we're doing what we're doing. I did see, I think it was Dog who pulled off a version of this on day one, and after pulling it off, he said, that's a terrible combo. Why would we ever do this? Because this is, this is floop, gloop, loop hoops. That's what this is, right? That's exactly what this is. That's it's, So you play floops, gloop, and then you have... Um, Elise, which copies your hand, and you have a copy of Bees, and you have a copy of Pounce, and you just well, you have keep... to copy the Floops Gloop. You have to have right. it triggered. Oh, okay. I think it's twice. Oh, okay, because you need you need to get two mana from each one of those. Okay, that makes sense. So then you play the Elise, copies your hand, it gives you a co- another copy of Pounce, and it gives you uh, a Floop, and then you play the Bees. You target the Floop with the Bees. The Bees kill the Floop. And then you can play another floop that copies your hand again, and then eventually you can just pounce your opponent in the face for 30 or however many you have time to play in a turn. And, and like, you, that's a thing you can do. I, I don't know if it's the best thing you could do, but it certainly is a thing you can do. But why? Why would you do that? Why would yeah. you do any of that? I, I, yeah. I, I why? Mean, why, Steve? Because you can. We, we did what we must because we can. I mean, you I mean, know. But, like, sometimes you actually physically can't. If you're playing on mobile, good luck. You cannot do this. He's doing this on an iPad, Hat. He's, this, this video that he took is from an iPad. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's, maybe he's got the frame rate cranked up on it and is playing on a, on a stable home Wi-Fi connection and he doesn't have Spectrum or Comcast. I don't know. But it, it's... There, there will be situations where this is physically not doable because you will move your finger and the screen will be a second too slow. And no, no, just absolutely not. So I, I believe that this is a thing that is, that is technically capable in the confines of Hearthstone. There are so many better ways to win games, including in this class, like the decklist directly above it. Yeah. Yeah. The Maligos Druid is good. Yeah. And, and Druid's in kind of a weird place, right? Because. The the first and second day of the expansion was all about like I'm gonna call it deck recipe quest druid. You you put in the quest, you type in unspent mana, you add those cards, you type in choose one, you add those cards, and then you go in the ladder. And your choice was 
how high does my curve go? Do I play Overflow or not? If you're playing Overflow, you might play Ancient of Lore, you might play Ancient of War, you might play Scenarius, which I think you should probably play, because Scenarius and the Floop Scenarius is gross. And then, like, Tending Torin, Oasis Surger, and then Wraths and Nourishes and all these cards, and it seemed fine, and it is fine, and that's exactly what it is. But it's it's like a callback to Midrange Druid, except they forgot to put in the 9-mana deal 14 to you combo. And that deck is fine, but what the format's turned into is just a little bit... The, the power level's a hair higher than what that deck is trying to do. So you can still play Mali Druid, and I would not be surprised if that is the best Druid deck. But it's also not super appealing to anyone that's not Hearthstone Professional or want to be Hearthstone Professional. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's awkward too. It's hard to it's hard to pull it off just because like yeah. you need to keep a certain number of cards in your hand. You need to play them in a very particular order, and in order to get the get everything to go off, because ideally you're trying to copy Moonfires and Maligos and Floop and uh and, and a dream pedal you want a dream pedal forest to hit one of the ideally the maligos before you do all that and that just doesn't happen enough so then in order to get it so that you're not like copying the wrong cards it can be kind of difficult and even just getting stuff out of your hand can be really difficult because you're drawing so much in the late game or you're not drawing enough and you're just not drawing the right things and and lord help you if you have two duplicates at the bottom of your deck yeah yeah it's and the I've tried a few decks that have played Zeph and uh and Elise or Reno or whatever without thirty one ofs. And I've done this in the past and I hate it. And I've done it now and I still hate it. The only exception might be Tip the Scales Paladin, because you're you're not playing a thirty card deck. Your deck is like fifteen cards maybe. Um but I I don't really care as much for the play pattern. Uh, Mali Druid is it's fine, but again, it just feels like you do a little bit more work than the other classes to get a similar result. And I don't know. I, I bet there's a way to. I bet with practice, this is probably really good. But I haven't been impressed by anything Druid is doing right now. It it all seems like that's kind of above average, maybe, but actually probably just average. I mean, it feel it feels like. It's like almost there. And again, it's one of those things like if Mage and Warrior were just like not as prevalent, maybe it would be okay. Cause Warrior just doesn't care about your board and it builds up enough armor that if you misstep, then you're just going to be, you're, you're not going to be able to get through it all. And Mage will just freeze all your stuff out and then just keep hitting you with one mana things while you're trying to draw your deck. It's, it's like you, you really do run out of steam really quickly with the quest druid because like you have a, a bunch of really powerful turns and then if you're not hitting nourish or overflow at exactly the right time then you just don't have enough reload and then you just sit there drawing one card a turn the problem i've had with that deck isn't running out of cards it's it's having too many cards in hand overflow is so many cards and and the hand size problems i've typically had aren't about running out of cards it's running out of stuff because your deck doesn't actually have that much stuff like yeah. and a lot of them are combo cards. You have good mid-range swing turns and then combo turns and it's just kind of awkward. Like it's just kind of hard to get cards out of your hand or get the right cards into your hand. It feels feels almost like plot twist warlock. Like you just have the wrong cards a lot of the time. Yeah. And you except you don't have the plot twist to circle those and get cycle those and get better cards for the for the situation and heal yourself for eight in the process. I don't know. It's everything about Druid. It looked decent on day one, 
and it's still there's probably something there but i don't think this has been quite figured out and the quest sacrifice of taking off a few turns the the best players i've played against will actually delay their quest for a couple turns to play like bees on curve or something and, and actually give up the swing turn to just not be dead when they have oasis surger because you can play oasis surger and die the next turn if you do nothing turns one through four right but it, i don't know i just I if someone were to ask me why should I play druid over other classes right now, I don't think I'd have an answer. I mean, you get to uh, other than you get to play the Elise, the Elise hero portrait. That's like the reason. Yeah. <laughs> or if you need golden druid, if you yeah. need golden druid, then then there are ways to do it. But I don't see any reason why I'd be like druid is the reason to. It, it, druid is the thing you should do if you want to play this style of deck. I don't think there's an answer for that right now, and it's kind of strange. Yeah, I mean, I would say Warlock is probably a better OTK deck if you really want to play OTK, and we'll get there. But and, and even that's not great, but at least it's a little bit better than Druid. Um, so I guess we can move on to Hunter and Hunter. Okay, I, I'm. Uh, I mean, you and I, and you and I have been kind of on the same page, and I'm I'm willing to eat crow on the Highlander decks because I think I was underestimating how even in power a lot of the cards are in this in this meta when I was comparing it to, like, Kazakus, Warlock, and Mage in the past. Because back then, it was like you were really dependent on drawing the cards that you needed when you need them, and there were big power differences in the kinds of cards that you would have to play if you were playing 30 cards. And it seems like the power level's a lot more a lot more even in this meta, which means you can get away, even in, in classes that don't have a class-specific payoff card, to be able to play... Highlander decks and and RDU just last night hit rank one legend with Highlander Hunter, which is basically just a secret hunter with a with a few more beasts and then Dino Tamer Bran and um and Zephyrs the Great at the top end and and really not as much filler as you would think in a deck like this. He's just playing a lot of you know good beast cards. He's playing good um you know good secret cards and you know Volpara Scoundrel is really one of the only cards in that list that really stands out as being something you wouldn't play in one of the like three or four other hunter cards, hunter decks rather. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna eat significant crow on half of this, but the other half I'm going to crow about because I remember on our episode where we first got the Highlander cards before we'd seen Zephyrus that I stated very specifically that people were overestimating how much of a of a struggle it is to build Highlander decks because until you do it. You don't know how deep the standard card pool really is. Hunter, I think, stood out as a class that had a lot of depth. And Dino Tamer Brand, King Crush at seven mana is a really good card. It's a really good card. In the, in the community ranking spreadsheet, I gave it a, a B, which means makes a deck more viable, which I think is about right. I don't think I'd say it, it's like it's a build around as in this is the first card in your deck and build around it. It might be. I think Zephyrus is. And that's the card I truly underestimated. I think that the Highlander cards in general were appealing when revealed. I'm really glad Finley's not good enough to see play oh, on yeah. turn two. Really, really yeah. glad. But Bran and Reno have both impressed me. And at the same time, Zephyrus, the litany we had for a little while, um, that Steve, that I know you and I were on the same page on, is that you're not going to get a giant value swing turn, right? This is not Kazakus. And in retrospect, no, it's not Kazakus. But what it is, if you take Kazakus, you remove the resurrection option from the second and third level of the spell, and then you cut Kazakus mana cost in half. 
That's what you're left with. Yeah. You never have a giant value avalanche. You just have a half-off Kazakets that never really low-rolls the options unless your opponent is playing weapons or, for a minute, they're a doomsayer. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you think about it, the way I've been kind of making sense of it to myself is that it's basically like the coin except for a Highlander deck. So, like, the, they give you the coin when you're going second to balance out the fact that you're at a disadvantage for most of the game, and then for one turn, you can kind of overcome that and swing swing the board back by getting that one extra mana. And that's what kind of what this is, that it it's not every turn that you're, you need to have something out of your deck. It's usually just, like, a couple. And what Zephyr says is, okay, well, that one turn where you didn't draw what you need, now you get exactly what you need. And that kind of is enough to to even out that that loss that you have in terms of consistency, because on one turn, whenever you need it, you're going to get something extremely consistent. Even if the pros on Twitter are complaining about the things that are being offered, for most of us, generally, you'll you'll find what you want if you're not looking for a very, very specific card like the pros are. And And so when you have a class that just has a lot of good you know, good density in terms of card quality, like Hunter does, I mean, you're going to be putting, you know, five or six unique secrets in your deck anyway, when you're, when you're building a secret Hunter, just because you want uh, subject nine to get value. And then you're just kind of spreading out the rest of the support cards. And yeah, you run one less secret keeper. You want, you run one less, um, whatever it is, master. Uh, this one doesn't even run the mass contender, but you know, you run some less, one less of the secret synergy cards, but that's okay because those are generally the most big boomer bust cards in the deck anyway. So you end up with like this amalgam of all of the good hunter lists that just happens to do all, a lot of what most of them do about 90% as well, which is good enough to be competitive in this meta. I underestimated the class agnostic answer situation. Because I have lost games to Shamans casting Holy Nova. Yeah. Uh, I have lost quite a few games to classes casting Twisting Nether or Wind Fury. Or there are other weirdo answers like when I see Shadow or Death or Pain. Just as they play it on turn five and I have something. like I've interfired a giant thing and they just play it in their class with no spot removal. With three mana up and then Shadow or Death. And it's like, oh, well that was better than anything else that your class could have played. It's it's relevant enough, and sometimes it's just Tyrion, sometimes it's just 10 mana twisting nether, uh, sometimes it's just fireball, but the the sheer volume of flexibility is pretty impressive, and again, the, the cost of building these decks, you feel it sometimes. There is a tension, but it's really close, and I think it's really well designed by Blizzard, because the entire set is all about trade-offs and sacrifices, but a very little is about building 100% for one thing and then winning when you do that thing. I haven't really seen too many decks that are just do this one theme that we gave you, play this one quest, and the reward will win you the game right away. There's nothing like quest rope. Yeah, I mean, Battlecry Shaman's probably the closest thing, and even that's not... You, you need to do a lot of work after you get the quest done in order to get there. And per the Vicious Syndicate Data Reaper... Um, in the last three days for the legend, Shaman is the worst performing class. Oh, really? Yeah, I can see yeah. that. I can see that. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. But, um, but yeah, so it's, I mean, Highlander Hunter, it seems like it's a real deck. I might actually, I, oh man, I can't believe I'm going to throw oh, up my mouth. There's another this. Highlander Hunter, Steve. Did you look at this one in the bottom that Firebat was tweeting about today? 
There is a Highlander mech hunter. Oh, my. That is exceptionally good. Oh, my. And the curve is very low. And you play the card, I think, that stands out to me that you know this is Singleton is Hunter's Pack, but it is actually decent. But then you get to play Houndmaster Shaw with a straight face. Yeah. And and you get to play, like, Wing Blast. And these are cards that are not bad. They just weren't... You didn't put them in your 30-card, two-of-everything deck. But in a 30-card, one-of-everything, you get the justification for running these cards that are not quite as synergistic, but still situationally relevant. And it's the deck is quite good. All right, I'm, I'm going to throw up my mouth a little, but I might have to tr- I might have to craft Dino Tamer brand and try this stuff out because it seems like it's a real thing that's going to be happening. So I guess we need to, you know, we need to accept. I'll, I'll accept I was wrong on that because, but I mean, it makes sense. Like there's enough mechs, and sometimes you just run like one of like unleash the hounds and um and and stuff like that, and and sometimes like a one of rat trap like they have in here. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's, well, and yeah. Bran is one of the most thematically consistent rewards that generally plays into what Hunter's trying to do. Hunter wants to be aggro or mid-range with that hero power. And so what they want to do is hit you in the face. And Bran is really good at that. Like Elise, for example, you have to work a little harder at that. You have to want to copy things and then play the copies. Bran, you have to ha- want to kill your opponent with damage. And generally that's true in most games of Hearthstone. So seven mana, eight you and I have an eight eight is good. It's a good effect. And also, standard issue disclaimer, listeners, we know you're excited. We're excited too. Don't craft anything. Don't do it. Don't do it. Actually, no, you have permission for uh Zilliacs. You may craft Zilliacs. Yeah, Zilliacs you can craft, Leroy you can craft. Um yes. those are those are both pretty good. I, I am doing this so you don't have to. Let's just put it that way. I am spending my dust on behalf of you to test all these things out, but um, but try to work with what you have, at least until we see what's going to be good. But it, I, I wouldn't be surprised in like a week or two if we're saying Dino, Dino Tamer brand is a relatively safe craft if you have the rest of the stuff. I mean, the problem with the Highlander decks is that because they're one of you have room for a lot of legendaries. So they tend to get very expensive and they're they're That's always been the case, even going back to original Reno. And like, I remember I was looking at the other night at HS replay and I saw one Highlander mage that was like 19,200 dust, something like that. And it's, I mean, I'm sure it includes snip snap and stuff like that too, but still it's like, you can, you can really break, break the bank on these and, and you don't necessarily need to play a Highlander deck exactly the way that you see those lists because there is a lot of flexibility in some of those card choices. I draw the line at Hexlord Malacras. I'm not making them. Not oh, doing I, ha- it. I want to play Hexlord Malacras because I've had that for a long time and I'm very, I, I actually want to find a list that is decent that runs it so I can play Hexlord Malacras because that's like one of my. Asphodite's been running with it. Just take Asphodite. Oh, really? List. Oh, Asphodite has a list? Okay. So we'll have to, yeah. I'll, I'll have to make a note to find that because like, I, that's one of the cards that I really love that I've never really gotten a chance to play. Like I was trying to make that work like in Conjurer Mage before we got Cyclone Mage. So we have broken mage burn and board control decks, and Steve just wants a five five that gives him value for eight mana. I see where this is going. I mean, we're I playing. This. We're already playing a five five that gives us value for ten mana. So you know, we'll get there. That's though. not that's not value. That's a board. That's different. <laughs> um, we should probably talk about Quest Hunter really quickly. Um, there, it's not it, it's not worth crafting for. But Wire did have one that he got to top fifty with. That was using a mech approach, using necromechanics and replicating menaces and basically all the things that drop one ones, um, you know, along with along with kind of the, the usual suspects for a me- for a slower mech hunter and and a and nine lives. So 
if you pulled the quest, there is a viable um, a viable list that uh. is not. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't go taking it on ladder and expecting to climb, but you could certainly play it in casual for an eighty gold quest and not be embarrassed. Um, uh, I don't know. I've I've never seen this deck in the wild, and I don't expect to. It, yeah. It's to I've not. It it has the it has the appearance of viability. But it, I, I would not be able to independently corroborate that. If I owned all these cards, I would try this deck, and I would never in a million years make a card for this deck. Yeah. So DC has tried it. I trust the DC when it comes to Hunter things, and he says that yes. it's good. So okay. I, I, I believe Sadisi. I'll, I'll go with Sadisi and say that, you know, cause, cause he and I were talking before the expansion started about how do you do this? And I was saying that a mech, a mech approach might work. And he was all in on the beast. And then he was kind of, he said, okay, you were right. This is the, this seems like the way to go. And he was trying and it seemed like it worked. So, um, I mean, you do have to be a little bit careful, especially early because you don't know how many games they had to play to get to top whatever legend with the list, but. CDC's tried and he said that this is good. So, yeah, it would um, be in my top twenty-five decks to craft, but probably not in my top twenty. I think that's fair. And and you know, just if you still want to play mid-range hunter, Den has a list that that'll be in the show notes that is really pretty similar to the way that we were running before. He's just um he's replaced the headhunter's hatchet with with desert spear, which is kind of a natural thing, and worked in one Scarlet Web Reaver to go with two Tundra Rhinos to try to get the uh, the free Tundra Rhino dream. So that's a thing that you can try if you're already playing Midrange Hunter and, and you just want to switch it up a bit and you have access to... Uh, really, it's just like the one Scarlet Web Weaver that you probably even get away without. Um, but that's the only expensive card that's in the list. Otherwise, it's all commons and just the two Masters Calls and the, Zil- and the Zul'jin, which you pretty much have if you're playing um, if you're playing Midhunter. Yeah, I think almost every deck from last expansion is probably still reasonably good this expansion. I don't think anything was completely invalidated. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's, it, you know, it's going to have a higher bar to cross, but I think everything that was there before is probably, even with just like a couple of tweaks, is probably viable. Uh, viable Speaking now. of what was around before, Steve. I, you mean you want to go on to uh, talking about the Galaxy Brain decks? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I just have a cyclone of thoughts on this one. Oh, boy. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, so let's, so I guess we'll start with Highlander Mage because that's kind of the, uh, the, the one, de- the Mage deck that's kind of getting most of the attention. The list I'm going to have in the show notes is from Tice. You can pretty much go onto Twitter any day of the week and find a Highlander Mage deck that is working. And it really, as long as you're playing Luna's Pocket Galaxy and a lot of expensive legendaries, you're probably going to be okay. Um, it, yeah. it's not, it doesn't really like, I don't even necessarily know that it's Highlander Mage that's as powerful as just the, the fact that you can discount all of your cards to one. You have multiple ways to do that between the actual drawing, the actual card itself and the Tortolan Pilgrim. Now they can pull it out if you get to turn eight and you can also discover it off of a Volpera Scoundrel. So there's multiple ways to get a galaxy early and then just, all of the card draw between um, between Stargazer Luna and Arcane Intellect and and whatever else you have put into your deck, and then you just start playing a bunch of one one mana ten drops and one mana eight drops, and you do enough of those in a turn, and you're probably going to win as long as you as long as you haven't drawn half your deck before you start. And Tyson's list is weird because he's playing uh, Highlander Cyclone. Yeah, he has Cyclones in his list, and that's atypical. Uh, the secret package is in and out of some lists. I think generally right now the consensus is out, but not entirely. 
And there are a million billion different ways to build this. It's it's a strong strategy. Reno is a really good card. It's quite a good card. Zephyrus is a better card. And decks are running Sandbinder because it either gets you Siamat or Zephyrus. And those are good things to hit. And you can you have quite a bit of churn. Like you don't have a lot of draw a bunch of cards, but you have a lot of get rid of this card for one more new card and you are able to keep doing that. And a lot of perpetual freeze effects and a lot of what Mage is doing right now is freezing proactively and then cheating mana and doing something gross. That's pretty much what all the decks that we have listed in the show notes except for Secret Mage are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the individual cards are at a certain point. It's just they're all kind of doing around the same thing. And I mean, I've even seen some people going so far as to play pandas in the list just to be able to bounce the Zephyrs. And, you know, that's, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other things you can bounce too, but the Zephyrs is kind of the, the one that a lot of people are targeting because it's not going to turn away from one mana when you, uh, when you play it. So it's, I think that again, we'll have to revisit this once pocket galaxy inevitably gets reverted to, I don't know if it's going to get reverted all the way back to seven, but I certainly can't see it being higher than six long-term. And, and even then I think maybe going back to seven is healthy because it just feels like these play patterns when you do get, um, especially when you get to coin out Pocket Galaxy on four, it just feels like the the play patterns are just not good for the game long term. It feels really like one person didn't really get to play the game when you do that. And and again, I don't want to be down on this meta because I feel like there's a lot of positive, but I feel like that's the one negative that the buffs introduced. Like we, this was this was a completely avoidable problem because all we had to do was like not buff that card or buff it in a way that was going to be a little bit less problematic and we wouldn't necessarily be here right now but you know it, i'm sure that they'll they'll address it once it's time for balance changes in a couple weeks yeah and pocket galaxy i think is is number one my hit list for mage but there are a, this is a cumulative problem there are a bunch of smaller things going on and, and mage is not uncounterable the pocket galaxy games are the ones that feel unwinnable and in many cases are especially when your opponent coins it out and then plays alex Draza for one man off the top you probably cannot win those games uh but beyond that, Mage does a lot of things well when all of its minions are full price. I do think Highlander Mage will absolutely stick around. Uh, Reno is good. Yeah. Uh, it's it's way better that it does not hit face. Way, yeah. way, way it, better. It's a, it's a double Dynomatic, when, and Dynomatic is already good just, just hitting five things that aren't max. So ten things that yep. don't care what the what the type of the car, type of the, the minion is. Like, it's just good. Yep. And... Uh, some decks are even running Barista Lynchin, so you can get back Reno and or Zephyrus. Uh, I have had a game where I stuck a Reno, and the next turn I went Zephyrus Barista, and I won that game. Um, and you you can get a lot of value. It is not dissimilar from how Reno Mage used to play. You have to be more proactive because you can't randomly gain 30 life, and you don't have Ice Block anymore. But otherwise, it's not that far off, and it it's kind of just like a weird mid-range deck that also has... A critical mass of freeze spells, and freeze is what mage is about right now, along with mana cheating, and the combination is kind of infuriating to deal with. Yeah, it's just not a fun experience to be on the other end of, generally. Yep. And there are plenty of games where mage doesn't do that and then is beatable, but a lot of what the class is built on right now feels like cards that are just a little bit over the line, um, along with some classic neutrals that might be overdue for some kind of interact yeah i saw someone suggesting that we move graveheart to 13 and i almost yelled at them on twitter it's something who someone who doesn't follow me so i didn't but it's it's like 
can we just please not nerf another priest card to pay for the sins of another class? Like, please, like actually address the card and not have another priest card get nerfed when priest has done almost nothing wrong. And certainly Gravehar is not the problem right now. The problem is Mount. It, I mean, Mountain Giants been in enough decks now that can probably go up to 13 and probably be fairly a fairly healthy change just to delay it by that one extra card and, and that one extra turn. Um, rather than just like changing grave horror when grave horror is like not the problem at all, it's, except for the fact that it exists. Low key, my hot take on this topic. I think that in in order of cards that need to be nerfed in mage, I think Conjurer's Calling is like number four. Um, number one, Pocket Galaxy. Number two, Mountain Giant. Number three, Ray of Frost. I think Ray of Frost single handedly has caused grief for probably about five months in standard that we are not paying attention to. Because it's an innocuous little one-mana spell. But I think if you cost that card at two, that the Cyclone Mage that we knew for all of last meta never comes to existence. Because it's it was so dependent on Sorcerer's Apprentice and playing two zero-mana Ray of Frost. And now with the critical mass of freezes that we have, with Tortolan Pilgrim, we now have two Ray of Frost, two Frost Nova, two Blizzard, two Tortolan Pilgrim. You can have your board frozen for four or five turns in a row. And Ray of Frost just can be broken up over multiple turns. I that that card to two mana I think would do more damage to the mage archetype than Conjurer's Calling to four. Yeah, I mean it would hurt Cyclone Mage too because you just have to have to pay that much more mana. And and I think Conjurer's Calling. I don't even know if it needs to go to four. You need to need to take the twin spell off of it. I, I think it's probably the latter. That might actually. I mean I know it's going to be thematically problematic because they want every class to have two twin spells. But like I think that that's probably more of the issue. It's not like the one time that you get to do it is not a problem. Like when you, when you, the cat, the times that you don't do it that often because you would generally have better targets. But when you do play it off the Tortolan Pilgrim, you just get an extra copy in your hand. And like, no, that's not okay. Like, like, why are we get, like you, you get a boat, you get to target it. I mean, if you're playing it in that scenario, you're probably pretty confident what's going to hit. And then you just get an extra one for free. And like that. That seems wrong. Like, there's if they, enough, if they were going to change how that card works, they were going to rework that card. They would make it summon one copy. Uh, they yeah. wouldn't have it. They wouldn't remove twin spell. Twin spell is too thematically important. They would make it into a weird evolve. Um, yeah. and they, they're most likely just going to do mana cost. All these changes are, Hearthstone generally does not do reworks like that. The last major one that I can think of was Warsong Commander, and that's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, well, there, well, there was a Saturday Night Chain Gang. Yeah, that's I mean, this feels like a Saturday Night Chain Gang type of type of rework, right? Where it's it's subtle enough that, yeah, it'll be weird for like a day and then you'll get used to it. But it's kind of weird that spell has twin spell on it anyway. But we can I mean, we can argue about that forever. But there are other a lot of other decks to talk about. And I mean, we're still talking about Conjurer's Calling. So we can just kind of like everything else that's there is kind of except for the secret mage, which I guess we can talk about in a minute. But there's and Yarla's weirdo freeze maze that I've never seen and don't expect to ever see. Yeah, I mean, I saw it when I was playing it, and it was very weird. But there's a lot of them are kind of other uh, takes on Conjurer Mage. Like Aridor just has a a straight up Conjurer Mage, and you're seeing some of this at least for now in Specialist as well, where they're just going with the two ofs instead of the Highlander approach, where you're just playing like a bunch of the a bunch of the big things, and you're playing. King Feoris, so you'll play two copies of Power Creation, and you can use the Tortolan Pilgrim to, to um to cheat stuff out. 
And so that that's kind of his approach. You also have Firebat's approach, which was basically like he ran into this thing on ladder and then he decided that he just wanted to play as many puzzle boxes as he possibly could. <laughs> so so that's where where his kind of came from. And he's uh, that was a, that was like a day two deck, I think. And he's playing like Vargoth for some reason. And he's playing double sandwich so that he can play. He can double fire pyroblast somebody or play you know, a, a puzzle box and then be able to do stuff after it, which is not unreasonable. And I was having reasonable success with it. Um, but, you know, there are probably, you're probably just better off doing the Highlander thing. Um, though I was actually pretty surprised at how good Sandwich could be in the right situation. Mm-hmm. Sandwiches are always good. Yeah. I mean, well, there there can be some bad ones, but, you know, if you're, if you're doing it on white bread, then, you know, but uh, you know, if you I'm, have, I'm more nice... of a potato roll sort of person. Ooh, that would be good. I miss potato yeah. rolls; those were really good. I don't mean to bring it up, but like for for listeners who can't eat potato rolls, do it yeah. for Steve. Yeah, no, do you should en- you should enjoy as many potato rolls as you possibly can, um, for my benefit because I'm eating crappy gluten free rolls that are not nearly as good. Um, unless okay. unless you're going to Red's Eats in Maine and they had some really good gluten free bread for the uh for the steak sandwich that I had, that was really good. But that's, that's an a exception. very particular recommendation. <laughs> I, I mean, um, you know, they've they've had actors and presidents go there, so I think that it's you know, if you happen to be going up to you know Mid Coast Maine, you should go there. I'll I'll just say that that's your food tip for this episode because we couldn't get through one of these episodes without at least one, right? So I'm so hungry. Oh, yeah. Um, and one thing to note, uh, as well, Cyclone Mage not in our list, but the same thirty cards from last expansion, still good. You can still yeah. play that and win more games than you lose by a good bit. Yeah, and you could probably just throw in a couple puzzle boxes, a couple pilgrims, and and take out a couple of other cards. You'll probably be fine. Um, you would throw in two blizzard and two pilgrim before you threw in the first puzzle box, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Because that's when you start turning into kind of the pilgrim freeze, is what I'm calling it. Yeah. And mage again, it's it's very murky. It's very hard to categorize. If you took Ariador's deck in the show notes and you took out the power of creation, I would call that pilgrim freeze. You could put in basically yeah. anything else, uh, but by removing that particular set of spells you would just make it so much more likely that you would hit freezes, and then you get to find a way to take advantage of that, probably by putting in Pyroblast or something, uh, just to make your King Feoris better. Or you could take out the Feoris package and go down to one puzzle box. There are a million ways to do it, but Tortolan Pilgrim, I think, has generally been a hit because all the spells you want to cast don't have targets anyways, except for those times like me where you just high roll Pyroblast and hit people in the face. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Done. I, yeah, Fuck I... I and like I was doing the the deck classification for the specialist dashboard, and I ended up just giving up. I said, okay, if it's got Reno, it's Highlander. If it's got if if it has Mana Cyclone, Cyclone Mage, everything else is just Conjurer's Mage. If it has a, a Conjurer's Calling in it, because like there's there's just so many different ways to build it that and the, like there are differentiations and they kind of don't matter. It, it's basically are you running Cyclone, are you running one ofs, or are you just running Conjurer's Calling with two ofs? That that's basically the way that I decided to break it down until we can see kind of like a legit split between those, then I'll, I'll start getting a little bit more granular, but sometimes it just isn't, isn't relevant because there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. Right now it seems like you're choosing between cyclones and pilgrims and that's the real major thematic change, uh, or thematic split between the two big mage decks in the format. And then the third option is you run one ofs or two ofs. Yeah. And, and I guess I need to go back and revise to make sure that I'm not lumping the secret mage in with the cyclone mage. Cause that, it does run mana cyclone. Um, but it does not bother with giants or conjurers calling. It just runs a bunch of secrets. It runs 
ancient mysteries and it runs a bunch of the new the new secret um the secret synergy card so it runs one copy of arcane flak mage to be able to deal with the board it runs two cloud princes for extra fireballs then it just has fireballs and frost bolts and just tries to dump dump as many secrets as it can and just hit you in the face as quickly as it can before you can get going and i saw this deck for about 12 hours in day one and haven't seen it since yeah this was yeah august 7th so that would have been day two so yep. yeah, it lasted that long. I mean, it's kind of like when we were doing the spell damage mage, like the first day of uh of of Rise of Shadows before we figured out that you know Conjurer Mage was just better. But it's it's a thing you can do. Um, you know, if you if you're playing a a, a tournament with closed deck lists and you want to take somebody by surprise, you you certainly can do that. And that it's at least it was able to win games then. But um, is there are there any other mage? I mean, those those are basically all the mage lists that we have ahead of us right like there's nothing else hiding around that we need to talk about i don't think there's an archetype that is fundamentally distinct from the things we have listed here even though card choices may vary we can talk about yarlow's freeze mage for a minute if we wanted to but i don't think it's necessary yeah. um, listeners if you want a weird freeze mage list check out the show notes uh but it's weird i i tried it so you don't have to let's let's just put it that way i i yeah. don't just don't don't do it yeah, um, but otherwise, I think this this reminds me a lot of what happened with Warrior early on the last expansion. Yeah, that the experimentation kept continuing as to which specific overpowered builder you're running, but they're all the core is so strong that a lot of different strategies will look good, and this will continue to get refined until we figure out the best versions of all these decks. But even being a few cards off right now isn't costing you enough percentage points to be visibly noticeable. So. Play whichever build you find on Twitter that you like, and you'll be fine. Yeah, it feels like the difference between like Togwaggle Druid and Maligos Druid in the la in the last rotation. Like, yeah, it, it feels or the kind difference of the same between thing. or between Mage Dex and Angoro, which like again, yeah. there were there were probably about thirty different ones because the core was so good, and then whatever you put around it was just icing on the cake. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Paladin, and and that, this was where the biggest scare was day one, um, with the Murloc Paladin, and I'll, I've got Cream Puff's version because they're they're all pretty similar, and, and Cream Puff did well with it. I'm just happy to see Cream Puff posting deck lists again. Um, but you basically, you know, like I, I was saying on the card review, well, I don't know what you know what specifically you're going to put into your deck in order to break this, but it feels like Call to Arms, which has exactly the same thing I've said about Call to Arms, which is I don't know what you're going to put in here, but whatever it is, somebody's going to figure it out. It's going to be good. And uh, yeah, uh, the the answer is just all the Murlocs, just just all of them. You put all the Murlocs in your deck. You you play, you put Prismatic, prismatic Lens and tip the scales in. You play Prismatic Lens on curve. You probably hit something super cheap. Um, if you're really lucky, you'll hit something that costs two, and then you can play a, a knife juggler in to tip the scales. And you just do that a couple times. You draw through your deck. You've got Zephyrs and Finley and Chef Nomi at the at the end of it. After you've gotten all the duplicates out of your deck, you're able to play those and just get some more value. And if your opponent can't deal with a couple of successive boards, then you win. And if they can, then you lose. It's a one-trick pony that can do that trick three times. And you're also like, you're an okay aggro murloc deck. Like, decidedly okay. Not not great. Okay, you were doing the standard neutral Murloc thing that has been around since Hearthstone's been around. But also, sometimes on turn four, you fill your board with Murlocs, and they're all really good. And because you empty your deck out quickly, you play Sir Finley, Zephyrus, and Nomi, and those cards can just give you the little bit extra that you need. But it's 
it's very similar to Token Druid last expansion, where it was really, really good early on, seemed really scary, seemed almost unbeatable, and then people figured out how to beat it. And then it still was kind of good, but became kind of maligned for only being a one-trick deck, and also does not translate well to specialists even a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it just gets... You have so many so many ways to sideboard against an aggro deck in in specialist that it just can't compete and and you know it's it's basically just kind of like you'll you'll win some games on ladder like you will 100 percent win some games on ladder but are you going to win more than you lose i don't know i don't think you will and and based on how it's dropped off i don't think that's the case but it's still fairly high in hs replay as far as uh, win percentage but i don't i have to look and see if it was still that way for people to play 25 games or more because it feels like the kind of thing you take on ladder for a couple games when you know clear out your quest get a little bit of progress and then maybe lose one or two and then rage quit it because it doesn't work anymore um it but it definitely is not the terror of the meta that we were really afraid it was going to be on day one but i i I do wonder and you were talking about this on the last court concede uh, whether prismatic lens kind of needs some some attention also because it seems like it's going to just start getting more problematic as, as as we print more cards that it can hit but you know it, i would love if this was the most broken thing you could do in the format but also it doesn't feel great to anyone on the receiving end of it especially if it's uh, someone newer to the game or someone that's a little bit more casual it feels so crazy and powerful the first time you see it really out of whack and the first response to to someone that maybe isn't as tuned into the meta or doesn't really know what to do about it or, or isn't playing AoE or whatever, um, I would imagine the response would be pretty negative. So I could see this being some kind of adjustment, not based on power level, but based on play pattern. Uh, but I don't think this is the most powerful thing we can do in the meta. And if it gets to that point, it's counterable most of the time. And other other times you just don't draw it. Yeah, I mean... And you you're well what happens is you fill up your board and then you're you're playing against a mage who just freezes your board repeatedly and then you just sit there and die. Yeah. That that can happen too. Yeah. Um or you can be you can tip the scales and, and get no blue gills and then your opponent gets to do whatever they want with their board, or you play against Restless Mummy, which is a card. Um it, unless this is paired with a cold light seer and you find some way to Either stick a minion on the board first so you can scales, trade, seer, or you get a bluegill and then you can seer after. Um, it's usually AoE will stop the first wave. It's, it's the three waves that really gets you if they get the draw, but sometimes they don't draw a tip the scales at all, or sometimes you prismatic lens and hit Nomi. And that's seven is cheaper than eight, but not by enough. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and people also know what to expect now, right? Like, you could take people by surprise with the Zephyrs or with the Nomi, like, day one, day two. Now people know what the tricks are. So as long as you know what to expect, then you can kind of save the the removal for that. It, it definitely stole some wins. Like, I didn't know it was running Nomi because I usually either died to it or killed it before we got to that point. So when I did see Nomi or Zephyrs, I was a little bit surprised the first time. And then, then I knew it was there. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, so speaking of, um, speaking of reborn minions, so Cora had the quest palette and we've seen a bunch of people post them, but I'll, 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 uh, feature hers, um, because she got to 11 wins in the brawl with it. And this is kind of the opposite. Whereas the, the Murloc paladin is like all in super aggro. This is like the Kingsbane rogue of this expansion, which is explicitly trying to target warriors to the detriment of nearly every other, every other matchup. Where you play the, the, the paladin quest, you're playing all the reborn minions because you kind of have to, 
and then you play mechano eggs and mechanical whelps and you just start copying the eggs and the whelps and your your opponent needs to be able to clear the entire thing in one turn and you just keep making more and warrior in particular does not have an easy way to be able to to deal with minions that drop other minions because its removal just isn't set up that way and usually isn't um isn't aligned in a way that they can run two clears in one turn so then you just eventually exhaust all their removal and then you start hitting them in the face eventually but against aggro you're playing like one twos and and you know i guess you're playing bone rates so you get some taunts but not enough of them and you're playing these minions that are not really super scary and don't have taunt and then your opponent can kind of rush you down before you can start getting the quest online and and making something that they're going to be scared about i mean early reborn minions are, are not bad at contesting the board they're not good at pressuring yeah and the main thing about this deck is it is it's not dissimilar to death rattle hunter except without the king crush aspect uh like you don't get to or the uh charge devil sore yeah or whatever it's a, it's a you, very slow death rattle hunter is what it is well it doesn't have a burst finish right so against aggro decks you can have draws where you have like mermy into micro mummy into whatever where you can survive fine uh because you get to trade and your stuff sticks around and theirs doesn't assuming they're interested in trading sometimes they're not and if they're not then that's difficult like aggro robe is a really difficult matchup for you but you do have the bone race you do have cartoon defender a lot of the time which can be copied with the uh, with the reborn quest and is quite good. Uh, you can stick a Zilliax on a mechanical egg or a mechanical whelp or whatever, and then copy it, and that's really nice. There there are ways to mitigate it, assuming you don't die by turn five, which happens sometimes in this format. And you absolutely dumpster warrior. You cannot really lose to warrior unless you do something majorly wrong, uh, or at least control warrior. The mage matchup is still kind of tricky. Mage matchup. Freezing is real good against you unless you're able to, uh, to Zilliax a taunt and they don't have some way to deal with it. Yeah, I had a game that I posted in the Discord the other day where I was playing as the mage and I, they were playing as the paladin and I, I posted, I'm pretty sure I just made somebody uninstall Hearthstone after this game because they were getting wave after wave and I just kept pulling BS out of my butt. <laughs> to, to clear it. I mean, it, the game started with Pocket Galaxy on five. So of course it did. So of course that, it did. That makes it a little bit easier, but they still had, they got their quest done really early. And I just kept finding different ways to be able to at least neutralize their board, if not clear it until eventually, like you do have, you, you're not unlimited, like against warrior, you pretty much are, but you do have like a limit to the number of things that you have left in your deck. And if you can exhaust all of it, then you you can kind of get to the bottom of the well. It just takes a lot of work to get there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, it's a vile, it's a real deck, and it it definitely is very much a meta call. Um, but again, it's also one kind of thing that is not really great in specialists because once you know what that is, you can tech for that, and you can generally. I think there was one that went like six and two, but missed top eight in in specialists this past week, and that was the best that it did, just because it's you're going to have a number of things that you're probably teching in for Mech Hunter, like old, like Rise of Shadows Mech Hunter anyway, that just happen to work really well against this deck, like Spellbreakers and, and Owls and, and you know, that that sort of thing. And and especially if, you know, since Combo Priest is starting to become a thing, they can just run like a Plague of Death in the sideboard deck, and that's that's like the end of it for you. Oh, Steve, no, that's not the card you run. Because I was playing, I played a Combo Priest against this deck, 
the card Master Spell. Yeah, Master Spell is really good very, too. very, very good yeah. against a deck that's all about making two two mechanical eggs because then they turn into zero fives and they can have all the zero fives they want. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in in Specialist, you might just try to hate on it a little bit more to get more copies of Master Spell, and one of those just happens to cost nine mana. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's a thing that you can do in a Specialist sideboard that you wouldn't do on Ladder. But I mean, but for Ladder, it's a real deck. I mean, it's it's legit. Yep, it's a thing you can do, and and. A lot of the things that, that we are going to talk about during this episode and a lot of the ones we have already talked about, you can do so many things in this format. And in many ways, lots of them are almost good enough. And some of them may even be good enough. You could probably get eight, nine, ten wins in a Brawl with them. But then other times you'll feel like you're playing, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. And it really depends on what you're playing against, how it lines up against your strategy. And Mage, as well as to some extent Control Warrior, just have a little bit more of a leg up on almost all these strategies than any other archetype does. And you'll notice that it feels a little out of balance when you're playing over time. Not enough that you shouldn't try other decks, but you'll probably notice there's just an edge there from those strategies that other decks don't really have the same way. Yeah, it's just the Kelsa factor, right? Like if you're playing, uh, if you're playing a Boom or a Pocket Galaxy and you get it on curve, you have a, a significant advantage. You don't auto win but you have a significant advantage uh, you know, over your opponent that you're not going to have in games where you draw it very late. And that's just, that's, it's, you know, something that we've seen it before. It will probably get addressed, hopefully, but it's it's never really a, a fun play pattern to deal with in a meta. But it's it's beatable. It's not, it's not like, you know, it, it's not like some of the really oppressive decks that were in the past. We're nowhere near anything related again in Baku or Midrange Shaman or whatever. And case in point, the next deck we're going to talk about, if you want to, you can play Hand Paladin, which John Bray says this is a thing. I don't know if I believe that, but I know that John Bray is an excellent deck builder and also a little bit off the beaten path. John Bray with Paladins like Zed a lot with Priest. Like, he, I remember him playing Secret Paladin. I remember going to Florida, being in the airport, like this was like the first time that I was even getting close to Legend, and running into him at rank two where uh, he was playing Secret Paladin, and this was at the end of the Gadget Sand meta. And, like, long after Mysterious Challenger was gone. So he can do things with Paladin that most people can't. This is a deck that he has a lot of things that put other things in your hand and then Glowstone Technicians to to buff them up, and and he says that this is something that you can play, and he's having success with it. I'm sure that he is, because he's extremely good with Paladin. I think it's great for an 80 gold quest and I wouldn't try to take it on ladder, but it's certainly a thing that you can do. Um, and as is this other list that you put in the show notes from Slissa, which is a Highlander Holy Wrath Paladin, which uh, I mean, she, again, she is a very good player and she was able to, to get 12 wins with it. I would not at all be comfortable trying to play this deck, especially with only one copy of the, of the Holy Wrath combo in the in the deck to start with well you see the other combo she has room for now you put in immortal prelate mechanical wealth and undertaker Mm. and then you you go for a loop but it's not a floop loop so it doesn't count it is not a floop loop It is an undertaker loop which is not quite the same no it doesn't sound really not the same yeah It, it is not as good but it does have infinite seven seven yeah, I mean, infinite is is a lot. So but, well, it's it's not it's not you can't measure the magnitude of infinite. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, 
these two decks are definitely more on the experimental side. I will say, John Bray's list, one legendary, I think six total epics. Uh, not all that expensive to craft. You have to make lowstone techs, mountain giants, and magic carpets. Lowstone techs are a little questionable. The rest are, uh, are known playable cards. And the rest of these cards are rares, commons, or basic. Yeah, so it's something you can do. It's, it's a viable deck. And, you know, Leroy is Maybe. a card that you should, Leroy and Mountain Giants, you probably, Mountain Giants, you probably ought to craft anyway, because there's yes. a, there's a reasonable chance that they're going to get nerfed. So if you have dust and you're looking for something to craft, I would make sure you have Mountain Giants, because then you'll get that dust back if they, um, if they do get touched. And Leroy is just a, a card, a legendary you should probably should own if you're looking to craft a legendary. Mountain Giants are either going to be a good card or a rental, so both options are good. Um, yeah. So that that is there any other, anything else for Paladin? I think that's it, right? Then we can get to uh to to Priest, which I thought was going to be a happier topic than <laughs> than it is, but there is there is hope at least. It has the best deck in the game. It just it does. It's it's not it's not the deck we want. It's the deck we deserve. Not um, the deck you wanted. <laughs> I noticed that you're only a priest maid when inner fire is in the battle. But, you know. When I can kill people on turn six, I love priests. Love priests when I kill them on turn six. But combo priest is currently, according to HS Replay, and it, according to HS Replay, it is the best deck in the game. And according to Vicious Syndicate, over the last three days, they haven't broken out decks yet. But priest at rank four to legend is the highest win rate class. And I think that is single-handedly uh, due to the work of Combo Priest, which we will talk about, but first we should talk about Quest Priest. Yes, there is a list in the show notes. No, it is not good enough. And right now the Priest Quest is not really a viable strategy. Yeah, and a lot of the problem is just that, because as you could expect, I tried this a lot early, and you you run into, you're kind of squeezed on both ends with the Quest Priest, because you can't, if you're doing it, you're probably not going like the Zoo Priest route. You're probably going something more Resurrect. Because if you're going the Zoo Priest, Priest route, you may as well just play Inner Fire because it's better. So if you're you're not going to be playing like the Zoo Priest route that people were trying early on. And that means that you're probably going a Resurrect route. And if you're going a Resurrect route, then you're probably not playing anything that costs less than four, where you start with Psycho Pomp and, and Archmage Vargoth. Which means that something like a Murloc Paladin or, or any other aggro deck is just going to smork you down. And then when you get to the end game, you, first of all, you're introducing Psycho Pomps into your res pool if you're playing them, which you should be. So that means that sometimes you're just going to get three ones out of your, out of your mass resurrects and your Katrina Muerte, which feels terrible. And also like warrior just brawls and then your board is gone or they play a super collider and then you just don't get to do anything the rest of the game because you're not running. Weapon removal, because weapon removal, you don't want to get resurrected. So it, it's just got, you're kind of not good against the aggro decks. You're not good against the heavy control decks. So you don't really have a value proposition right now. Again, if warrior gets addressed and mage gets addressed, that might change because if you're not dealing with an endless stream of warriors that have infinite value, then the, being able to stick a couple of big minions and just keep buffing them unless your opponent can remove them might be a reasonable strategy, but right now it's just not good enough. I, I wanted this to be good. I really did. I did too. It's not. Um, and it just goes to show how big you can make the numbers when it's all about late game grindy board value and have them not really matter all that yeah. much. Uh, and as much as I'd like for this to only be held back by warrior and mage, I honestly don't think that's the case. Because then you might start losing to Mech Hunter or Murloc Paladin or 
agro rogue or something it's you have to you have to be able to survive the early game heal where it matters and then just kind of get incremental value that at a point where the value wins you the game where you wouldn't have won without the quest reward we don't really have any situation where the quest reward is the difference between winning and losing it it might be the difference between winning and winning more but that's about all we've seen so far so there are there are quest priest lists in the show notes but the best way to play priest right now and the only majorly competitive way to play priest right now is combo priest. yeah and and as much as i protested because i historically have hated inner fire priest with a passion um it's really good and it's actually it's it feels better than it has in the past to be honest even even better it, it almost feels better than in the shadow vision stays despite the fact that you're not getting inner fire just because you have other ways to to finish the combo like light warden is a card that i don't know why it wasn't in the old combo priest but it's real good and and holy ripple helps that out a lot being able to have like another another wipe um heal your board thing that doesn't cost five like holy nova does makes a big difference and high high priest amit is who boy is that card good in that deck that just card's being, yeah. ridiculous yeah absolutely ridiculous and this is this is not the super spell heavy variants that we've seen in the past. Raphael is playing a spell heavy variant. I despise his list. Um, he did well with it. I hate it. Can't stand it. It plays Holy Smite instead of Light Warden for some reason. Doesn't play Neverset Ritualist. All of which I think are enormous mistakes. Um, but yeah, the, I need to get the, a better list for the for the show notes actually because this is not the list I would recommend at all. No, it's get uh, get Somi Tequila or Zach ODR's list. The same one. Um, it's pretty minion heavy. And you you play like a it's not quite a zoo deck it's not quite old miracle rogue that's the closest I think you get it, it has a decent enough spell density I think it's got like ten to twelve spells and you do have the combo cards but also you just like drawing cards making big butts and hitting people in the face and that's all the deck does it's it's a it's a tempo based minion deck you want to play it pretty aggressively and also you have some juicy combos and synergies that just allow you to win the game in ways that no other deck can really do. And it's very, very taxing to play. Mentally taxing. It's it's a difficult... There's a lot of decisions, even from, like, turn one. And sometimes you just end up with, like, looking... It's like the old Miracle Rogue days where you're just sta- staring at this, like, handful of cards that do nothing. Um, I actually think it, it feels a little bit more like Mech Hunter, actually. Like, where you're sticking these minions and you're... For- they're, they're innocuous minions... But you're forcing your opponent to remove all of them because they know that in any time they could just turn into this like Gatling gun that's going straight at their face. So you, you're demanding that your opponent remove all of these obnoxious minions. And Cycle Pump is also really good because it makes one of those minions come back twice and make them have to kill it with with two attacks, which is is reasonable. And then sometimes you just run your opponent out of value or out of out of their own tempo, and then you can just kind of grind them out from there too. So it's it's really surprised me both in terms of like how well it performs and also how quickly I've been able to pick it up because I've been have I've really had trouble with this list in the past and I did have like an eight win run in in brawl today so I I think this is only going to get stronger and it was also seeing a lot of success in specialist because it's good against both mage and warrior which is a pretty hard thing to do in this meta. Usually if you're good against one, you're bad against the other. And this one is good against both. You still lose to on curve pocket galaxy. And if you let the game go long enough to, uh, to get to boom, 
then you'll probably lose those games too. But generally you can end the game before you get to either of those points. And then you can, you, you can just kind of get under them, which is, is pretty satisfying. I got to say. Yeah. And there are some incidental uh, cards that further your engine that might also be good against mage topsy turvy and silence in particular, because you can silence your own injured blade master or whatever, and then buff it up and kill them. Or you can topsy turvy their doomsayer. And those are relevant. Um, this this deck will start getting teched against pretty soon if it hasn't already. You're going to start seeing Executes and Warrior. That's going to start happening. Yeah. And when that happens, your Warrior matchup will get much worse. Not unwinnable, but much worse. And if people ever want to beat this deck, they will play Secret Hunter and you will be dumpstered. You just cannot beat that deck. You can't beat the combination of Freezing Trap and Pressure Plate. Just not going to happen. There's no way to do it. And not even Secret Hunter, like Highlander Hunter has been a problem. And and because it runs yep. both those cards too. And and having to play around all the all of the secrets, it just slows you down enough that it makes it difficult. Um, but it it's still it's beatable, but it it can be very difficult. And generally just like the time that you waste having to play around the secrets is enough for them to to press their pure power button a couple times and then throw a can crush at your face. So it's listed as the worst matchup for the deck in HS replay. I would absolutely believe that. I believe it too. Any any deck that can control your minions in a way that you can't really brute force through is going to be difficult. And if you're picking this deck up, I recommend playing it pretty aggressively. Mulligan for ones and twos. Um, don't be afraid to play your one drops on turn one. Don't be afraid to extra arms them on turn two. And sometimes you just got to make them have it. Played a game today where Warrior had three consecutive turns of removal spells, but was not able to stop me on turn five. So on turn six, I made an 18-18. They were at 34. I attacked, said, can you deal with it? They made a taunt. I silenced it, and the answer was no. So sometimes you just you have to go in. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to to not let inner fire only be for lethal. Like, oh, you're, yeah. not, you're probably not going to get for there. 10. Get yeah. in for 10. 10 is yeah. fine, especially yeah. if it's on turn four. Yeah, if you can hit them for 10 or 12 and then make them have an answer and then they don't usually just win. So uh, that that's kind of the big lesson. Like, if you're leaving, like, Divine Spirit Inner Fire for lethal, like, don't. Like, you have other ways to get that damage. Like sometimes, And, and if sometimes if you don't use them, you're not going to win that game anyway. So that, that's kind of the one tip that I would give you. I think it's also worth talking about briefly this uh, Resurrect Priest that foregoes the quest that Satoros was playing for a couple of days that he was at High Legend with that um, it gets rid of the quest, but we do run all of the resurrect spells and we also run shadow form because that's a card that I haven't seen since the unicorn priest days. So I, I never, I tried a couple games with it. It felt okay. Um, again, I'd rather just play inner fire priest if I'm going to play priest, but this is an option. If you, if you have a bunch, if you really want to play plague of death and I do not blame you because that card is a lot of fun to play then this is a deck that you can also try. Just meter your expectations as to win rate before you start playing. And don't craft stuff for this. Like, no. there, are a, there are a lot of cards in this list. Like, Shadow Forms an Epic. I, I don't. Um, you know, Katrina Muerte is a legendary that you probably don't want to craft unless you have her already. You don't want to be crafting Plague of Death right now. Uh, Faoris, you probably can craft, because that's seeing play in, in a decent number of lists, but... Yeah, I wouldn't be crafting any of the epics for this list unless you have them already. But um, if you do and you want to play Resurrect Priest, it's certainly a thing you can do. And it, it's not its not embarrassing. We'll, we'll go that far. I mean, it might be embarrassing if friends spectate you and catch you playing Priest. But, you know. Well, you know, I mean, they'll just ask you, why aren't you playing Interfire? And you won't have a good answer for them. 
Because the answer is I have a golden shadow form and that is acceptable. That that is fair. That is fair. And and I do miss Shadow Form Control Priest, but we're not playing against uh Karazan Midrange Hunter anymore, Midrange Shaman anymore either. Um, no, we're thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. So so let's move on to Rogue. And and Rogue is um a little bit more straightforward. It seems like the one of the best decks to come out of Rogue is this aggro rogue from Kraya that is making use of the um of the hooked scimitar, which is the three mana two two uh weapon with combo plus two attack, in addition to the waggle pick, and you just kind of smash your opponent in the face. It, it's basically like why like the old waggle pick tempo rogue, except you have another set of four attack weapons. And if your opponent doesn't run weapon removal, which a lot of them are not, like I don't I mean I don't know about about warriors, but none of the mages are running any weapon removal, and a lot of the other decks aren't either. Then you can just get a lot of free damage and just smash your opponent in the face repeatedly, and a lot of times they just don't have an answer for that. There's some variation in the lists that are being run, and Rogue is in kind of a strange place. Uh, I do think the aggressive builds are the best ones, but people are coming out with Tempo Rogue, Sharkless Tempo Rogue builds that are doing just fine. Some include Raiding Party, some include Hench Clan Thug, some top out at five, some have Nomi. There's a lot of variation. The thing that we've seen is that Cat is almost always included, and... There's usually some other new card. In some builds, it's Vulpura Scoundrel, because that's a very roguey thing to want to do. Um, and other times, it's uh, it's Hook Scimitar. The, there's a lot you can do with a reasonably aggressive rogue deck that's still good, and Sap is still a good card. It, it's The win rate is not great right now. But in Specialist, it's definitely performing. It's It's the best deck in Specialist right now. I don't know if it will continue to be that way. Um, because it seemed like it was kind of preying on the, the Rise of Shadows decks at the beginning of the week. But um, right now, it, it was the most performant deck in Specialist. So if you're looking at Specialist, that's probably a direction that you might want, you might want to go in. But it is it is certainly a viable deck, and I've, I've lost to it, and it, it, it definitely is potent when it gets up and running. Um, people have also been trying the quest. Alexander has a list that he, um, he was pretty happy with in the Brawl. It still feels janky to me. Like I don't, it's I don't not have worth the quest. It, it just seems like what? It. What do you like? Why? First of all, I still don't believe that this is better than special cutlass, and also like the quest reward just isn't compared to the other quest rewards. It just doesn't seem to do all that much, it, as opposed to just playing like Burger Rogue with, spec, with with Spirit of the Shark as as your payoff. So there are a couple things going on here. First of all, it is absolutely better than Spectral Cutlass, and Spectral Cutlass is not standard playable. So that is not a bar that we want no, to jump is. over. No, it was Witchwood, but. It's not currently standard playable. I wouldn't play it right now. Oh, you can't play it. You, you wouldn't play it right now, but you can. But, it's, yeah. it's a, it's it, is, it is standard legal, but yes. not standard playable. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. So if, if that's that can't be our bar, it has to be better than Hook Scimitar or Waggle Pick. And it's it's for a different purpose, right? The immunity yeah. has to matter. You have to be attacking minions over multiple turns. Format hasn't ended up being about that. Second of all, Clever Disguise is a bad card that you need to play to enable the quest. Yep. But it's not good. Because spells are not what a tempo rogue wants to be getting. It wants to get minions. It wants to get stuff to do. And the cards you have to play to enable the strategy are just so not good. They're just so not good. All these burgle effects, burgle effects have not been good unless they are incidentally in our deck. Vendetta's good. Vendetta's yeah. the reason to do it. But it's not the quest. And you can get away with just not playing burgle cards and making sure you have good cards in your deck in your hand. And playing for tempo every single turn. Because this format, the, the speed of it is pretty quick. 
except for like one deck. Yeah, he's playing Brightwing in this deck. Yep, and uh, some other builds play Face Collector instead. Oh gosh, that's even worse. Like it's <laughs> it, it yeah it, it's like it's yeah. like you have to play so many bad cards to make the quest work that it's like well I, and yeah like sometimes you'll high roll and you'll you'll get a um you know you'll get something that will blow your opponent out but a lot of times you're just gonna get like totemic totemic might and you're just gonna be stuck with these cards that you're not gonna really be able to do anything with well and sometimes you'll be playing the value game with this rogue deck and the other deck won't be playing the value game and then you have a handful of spells that you don't need and three damage a turn that that doesn't really do enough because if you go for the value game against mage they're like all right let's play for value by the way this one turn i'm going to make a 32 attack worth of stuff nice value enjoy enjoy what you're doing but also so many other decks in this format are all about crushing the opponent once they get their payoff right combo priest you just die uh murloc paladin you just die and there's so many other ways that you just die in this format you don't really have time to dirtle around and three damage a turn it has to be really really relevant to hit minions for three damage a turn and, and i don't think we've seen the format bear out that way yet like you can just play hunter and just press your press your hero power button and get two damage a turn and that's like mo- and then like hit your opponent with novice engineers like that that's <laughs> that's what you're doing i mean it's not quite that bad you're not paying the mana for it every turn but you're paying the mana for it every other turn it's like it just feels like it's i'm never scared when i'm seeing the the rogue quest like i'm never like intimidated like there are some quests like the like the shaman quest the shaman quest shaman will get to it has not been doing well but like that can get out of hand in a hurry it, it when when that gets finished but this one just like okay like okay you got a slightly better weapon congratulations like you can take advantage of it but it just seems like it's it's relying too much on rng to get over the line and and there's not really anything to balance that out. The quest doesn't really do a good job of balancing that out. Well, it's antithetical to what the class is trying to do because what you're trying to do is play relevant tempo cards every single turn and pressure your opponent into needing more answers than they can play. And what you're doing with the quest is giving them time. And you don't want to give them time while you're playing for tempo because that gives them tempo and that's not what you need. You're basically giving up a lot of initiative in order to get your weapon that gets you initiative back when you could just not lose it in the first place. And then you're fine. Because you don't need value if you have Myra. Um and you can even if you do need value, you can just play Nomi at the at the top end of it. I mean that's not value so much as like a, a, a sledgehammer. Well, you know, it's a it's a sledgehammer of value. But if you do if you do need value, you know what card gives you value? Ogo Hopper. Oh, good grief. Which is this is somehow a thing. And I don't know if it's really a thing, but Firebat was saying in Top 50 Legend he was playing with Plague of Madness Pogo Rope. Plague of Madness, for those that don't know, is the one-mana rare rogue spell that gives both players a 2-2 poisonous dagger. And uh, apparently he's just face-tanking 8-8s with that, and that's good enough because his rogue deck is not looking for the short game. No, if you want to go long, you don't go for Burgle. You go for Pogo Rogo. And I mean, I guess it's kind of like, well, okay, go ahead, throw your face into my thirteen thirteen. Like, you know, it's like at a certain point, like, does it? Ma- it doesn't necessarily matter that you're letting them do that if they're going to take so much damage by doing it. It just, I, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, Pogo Rogue was fine in the last meta. I'm sure it's fine now. I don't think Plague of Madness is the thing that's making it better, but I'm sure that it's just, you know, it's a deck that you can play. 
And and it's well, really it plays not the that Harrison much. combo. Got the combo. Oh, the the Harrison Plague of Madness combo. Yeah, yeah, that's six that's... mana, two two poisonous dagger, draw two cards. Op, only get a five four. Yeah, that's that's definitely a hundred percent worth it. It's, it's, I mean, it's fine, right? Like it it was. It's not really getting that much other than that. Like it's mostly the same set of cards. He just swapped out a couple things for a couple copies of Plague of Madness and a Harrison Jones. The rest of it is basically. It's it's almost exactly the same deck as it was before. I don't remember if they all play Togwaggle or not, but you know I'm I'm sure that that went in and out of the list. But the rest of it is just the same list as before with a couple of new cards, which is fine, right? Like that's it's it's still viable if you're Firebat. Speaking as a rogue enthusiast, I uh, look forward to other people testing out this deck so I can determine if I have the the time or the need to play with it. Because as of right now, I'm not feeling a big pull, and uh, with this expansion so far, I'm not feeling a big pull to play Rogue. Period. Because it's what it's doing isn't interesting, and the, the aggro decks are, are decent, but I haven't found them to be dominant or really uh, unstoppable the way that aggro rogue before the nerfs felt last expansion. Once you started getting your opponent below 20 health, just felt like they couldn't stop the tidal wave of damage that you were constantly delivering to their doorstep. We're not quite there yet. Right now, it feels like, honestly, it feels like a slower inner fire breeze. Yeah, and then you should just play Weird. Inner Fire Priest. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll get we'll get Andrew to try the Pogo Rogue, because he's a noted Pogo Rogue enthusiast, so he'll try it for us, yes. and then he'll let us know how that is. But we, we, we don't need to spend much more time on that, because we have... We still have more classes to go. We have Shaman, which is... Uh, Battlecry Shaman's probably the deck you're going to see the most, and it's probably going to be the deck that you that you are going to be the least successful with. Um, there's a few, a few variations on the list. The one that I have is from LVGE. Um, that's going to be in the show notes. There's also one well, that you I put saw the that... weird one in the show notes. Oh, did I, did I put the weird one? No, I, no, this one isn't the weird one. The weird one is the, the Explodinator build. Okay. This is um, the original. It's not is, the, uh... yeah, this is his older one. He went to a version with, with Explodinators and Whirly Gliders and all of the thing, all the bombs. Seaforium and... bombers. Uh, I don't know that he, maybe he put those in after. I, that wasn't in the list that I was trying of his, but he did have Defender of Argus. And it is certainly a list of 30 standard legal cards that I would not recommend taking with you on ladder. But, you know, it's, the, the thing is that it was very powerful, again, day one or two, and then it just is doing a lot of dirtily things while your opponent is, uh, you know, building up like a nuclear bomb and it doesn't have, generally enough uh enough same power to get over the hump against warrior because i mean you can do a lot of damage with weaponized wasp but sometimes you just draw those cards out of order and the shutterwalk can be good but it's you know generally it's just like a refill it's not really like a bomb it's more of just like this will allow me to continue playing the game more than anything else it also domes your opponent for a bunch with life drinkers i have killed people with life drinker damage before it's I think this is still the closest to a real deck out of the deck recipe quest decks. And this started off as a deck recipe quest deck, right? You put the, you put the thing in, you search for the word lackey, you yeah. put them all in, you search for the word battle cry, you put them all in, and, uh, and that was your deck. And now it's, it's gotta diversify a little bit. I do think that there's something here. And again, the, the thing keeping this down is the presence of mage and warrior more so than any other archetype. And in particular, the, significant proliferation of blizzard is really really bad for this deck really bad news you don't want to keep getting frost nova into blizzarded into whatever uh and the the tomb warden situation is also not super great so 
I, I think that if there is a round of balance changes after Soul, this is the biggest benefactor and the closest to remaining a real deck. I didn't have too much trouble keeping up with Warrior when they didn't have Dr. Boom. Yeah. When they do have Dr. Boom, then they they do more with their stuff than you do with your stuff, which is where you don't want to be. Yeah, I would argue it's actually Frost Nova that's more of a problem than Blizzard, because Blizzard at least will remove some of the 1-1s. One Frost Nova, if you, if you let yourself get onto a full board, which is very possible with this deck, Frost Nova just says you don't get to play next turn. It's basically, it's basically like a rebuke. It just like, okay, well, good luck doing anything when your entire board is frozen. Um, cause you, you, you run, you run one spell in the deck, which is the quest. I mean, you do get stuff from like Volpara Scoundrel and, and Ethereal Lackeys, but the only natural spell that you run in the deck is, is Corrupt the Waters. And that is literally it. Sometimes mutate, and, but that's not really going to do much against the frozen board either. It's, it's more the combination of, Four board wide freezes. Yeah. Like Blizzard is is somehow better for you than Frost Nova is, <laughs> but it's the third and fourth freeze are so much worse for yeah. you than the first two. Uh and that's really where the the biggest problem comes in, is that when people can just straight up stop your board, that is problematic. It's I think we'll see a, a big shift here if balance changes happen. And I do also think there are some cool innovations that you can still do. Uh, there were some builds at the very beginning that were curving up to Earthquake. I think you can still do that. I think a card that people are sleeping on is Omega Mind, because that mm. is very, very good with Hagatha Scheme. Yeah. And if you get to the point where you want to control the board and play for even more value, I think that that will tick up the quest, and sometimes will just be a full-on Reno Jackson, and has a lot of opportunity. In fact, I'm surprised it's not in this Control Shaman that we have here listed in the notes, um, which looks pretty cool, and might be a thing because you you can kind of go long in this format if you have defensive tools. And this is the first list I've seen that I think might actually have the defensive tools because you get to combine the quest with defensive battle cry. And that's pretty rad. Yeah, and, and you know, there were some people who have been trying, like I theorycrafted a dragon version of this too that would work with like Twilight Drake and um I guess maybe you probably don't want to run Crowd Roaster because it might hit you in the face when you're um when you're shutter walking, but you can just like not have a dragon in your hand when you do that. Um it's minion. I, yeah. Oh it's oh it is minion anyway, so that's not gonna it's not gonna kill you. Um but yeah, it's I mean this is kind of like the old school control shaman that would just grind out warrior for forty five minutes, and that's probably the biggest knock against it is that you're going to play warriors and those games are going to take literally forever, and you're not necessarily guaranteed to eat to to win or even not draw against a warrior necessarily. Um, so that, that's kind of the biggest knock against it, but it, it is certainly a way you can go. We also, the other thing you can do is just do what, um, what your co-host Appa did and just take everything that, that has Murloc at the bottom of the card, put it in the list along with two copies of Bloodlust and a Stormbringer and, and two copies of Mogu Flesh Shaper because a free rushing three, four is good. And um and then just play that and hit people in the face. And that is a completely viable strategy as well. Yeah, tokens are good and you can go in against people. Uh and it, it you can actually stick a board against Warrior with this as built. Uh there are ways to do it. Mermy helps a lot. It's a really good yeah. card. Um Underbelly Angler, still Underbelly Angler. Uh I do think also both versions of Quest have opportunity to add Hungry Crab and or Fish Flinger, because you can give people fish and then eat it. There's yep. there's a lot you can do there. Yeah, you can even eat your own mermy and then proc that for a tie collar and get one plus one in the tie collar. Because the uh yeah. the because the reborn version does proc tie collar. So 
that's even a thing you can do. Um, there's also, I mean, Overload Shaman is also still viable. We have this list from Frenetic in the uh, in the show notes that makes use of Vecina, which gives all of your minions plus two attack while you're um, while you're overloaded. So you can you know use the same Overload Shaman build that was there. You're just throwing basically just throwing Vecina and Mogu Flesh Shaper in the list, and you're good to go. It runs a it, this runs Tide Collar in addition to Sludge Sludge Slurper and um, Underbelly Angler, and also runs like a Feral Spear for a little bit more defense, but um, you know, you just throw down a spirit of the frog, draw all your spells, and burn your opponent down in the face, and that's still actually it's not running lava burst, which is interesting. Um, or Doomhammer. Yeah. So you're you're gonna kind of go a little bit slower, but Vecina is such a such a hammer when you can get that down along with any sort of a board that it's almost like having a third bloodlust in the list that's just slightly more conditional. Yeah, and I think honestly there might be some merit to playing the 29 of the 30 cards of the overload list from last season and just putting a Vecina in over like a second Earthen Might or something. Vecina is yeah. really good. Really, yeah. really good. Especially with Voltaic Burst, especially with Thunderhead. It's just a Bloodlust with a 2-6 attached and it just sticks around forever. It's been in, it, really strong in my testing, but the rest of the new Shaman cards don't seem a lot better than the old Aggro Shaman deck and the old Aggro Shaman deck was quite strong. Yeah, and and, and the old Aggro Shaman also burn your opponent from hand a little bit better. Like, this is relying on Vecina having a board, which against, you know, quad freezes is going to be a little bit less of a, uh, less of a thing. But, um, so I think that's it for the Shaman. And then we can move on to Warlock. And Warlock has, um, one and a half decks. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the one deck it has is Zoo. Um, Pizza, as, as he is known to do, has been doing very well, um, with Zoo. And, and the way that we've landed on Zoo is with a self damage build with Neferset Thrasher, which is the four, five for three that does three damage to you when you attack and diseased vulture, which is, um, a th- three, five, four that gives you a three drop every time you damage yourself, along with a lot of the old zoo lists. And, uh, and it, it works pretty well. Um, it, it again, again, I guess freezes, it's going to have a little bit of a problem, but it can kind of just get off to a good start and then start smoking your opponent down. It also runs the serpent eggs, which are a little bit of an AOE, pre- um, prevention. There was actually somebody, I forget who that was, that had a, uh, Highlander zoo that I tried a couple of games with. I think I got like five wins in a brawl with it. And it was, I should find that and put that in the show notes as well, because that was, it, I wouldn't recommend it, but it was, it was a thing you can do. Um, of course, what one card that was not in any of those 30 in that Highlander Zoo was Dark Pharaoh Takan. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I'll just, I'll just let you talk. Cause I know that this is, uh, I, I was on the same page with you, but you had much stronger opinions about this card than I did, so I'll just let you go. I gave this card an F. I think that you never want to play it, because in the decks where you want to play lackeys, you either want to play them early and eat them, or play them early and trade with them, and you never want to play a 5-mana 4-4 four, four in those decks. So, even the deck it's good in, it's bad. Uh, so far, no one's really found a major use for him. I will say the only situation where I've seen the card be good in, like, Twitch Clips is when you have two lackeys on board and you play Takan after and and buff them right away. And that that can be relevant, but I think it's never worth putting the card in your deck. So if you have Zoo with Takan in it, try taking him out. If you have a different Takan deck, um, let us know what it is because we don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, but as of right now, the card just seems unplayable. And the class is kind of in trouble because yeah. Zoo is... Zoo is decent, and Vulture has really, really impressed me, and Thrasher is good, but Vulture is the star. Yeah. 
But looking at the win rates, uh, Zoo kind of struggles against Mage and Warrior, which is not a great place to be. You beat you beat Hunter and Paladin, I guess, and Shaman, uh, because you're faster and they can deal with it. But your Zoo problems have not changed. Uh, you're you're a slightly better deck, but everybody else is also slightly better deck. Again, we need some kind of balance adjustment before this becomes viable, because Warrior still just kind of dumpsters you. And uh, it's not a super great place to be, and the matchup against Mage is not as strong as you might think. You can get off to a good start. You absolutely can. Uh, but the matchup against Mage is, is not really where you want it to be. If, you're, if your win condition re- relies on not getting frozen and not getting taunted, then you're probably not going to be doing very well right now. Yeah. You have ways to get around it. Like, you can certainly tech in silences and stuff like that, but there's not, you know, there's not really a good way to get around getting blizzarded and frost novid repeatedly and, or even getting like Rhea frosted. And, and you do also just kind of open yourself up to like a reverse lethal from, from mage, just being able to just fireballing in the face. So. Well, Um, the main issue with warlock is that the class design right now, there's no really efficient way to undo the damage you take from your hero power and damage kind of matters more than it used to. You don't really have the ability to tap into more stuff and time to play it and to have it matter. Generally, it's it's more of a desperation move, and the damage that you do to yourself from a lot of your cards, you can't mitigate that long game. So either you don't play these self-damaging cards, like Rift Cleaver is just completely unplayable right now, because it's too expensive for Zoo and too much damage to take for any controlling Warlock. And until Warlock gets some kind of healing that other classes don't have, which the class enemy said they're not going to get, you're really mitigating a lot of the power of these cards. Yeah. And the best thing we have right now is uh, Plot Twist and Aranassi Broodmother, which is the worst, best healing a class has had in a while. I mean, you say that, but I played it. So we have a Mechathune Warlock in in the show notes. Don't craft anything for this, please. Like, just, just don't do it. I, I, trust me, just don't do it. But... If you happen to have the Mechathune cards from last from last time around and you got Supreme Archaeology, it's fun to try. It's not super expensive, and like most of the cards that are there are cards you're going to craft anyway, with the exception of the quest, and maybe Voodoo Doll at this point. Um, like you're gonna have if you're playing if you're playing a controlling warlock, you're gonna have Godfrey. If you had Mechathune, you have Mechathune, Ziliax, Zephyrs. Voodoo Doll and Supreme Archaeology are the are the expensive cards in the list. And and like I never really felt like life was really the like like that doing damage to myself and then not being able to heal it up was really the problem in that deck. It's just that it's really it just takes forever and like you can't you can't really save yourself from just getting rushed down by a board that you can't deal with. Like it's not like if you're like you're down at ten and you're gonna die, it's usually like you're down at twenty five and you're facing down a Ferris board and you can't deal with it. That that's generally what um what the problem that I had. But this this list I guess I should talk about before we start getting into that that lo- uh, lower level detail, which is basically a it's a quest warlock that's using plot twist and what you're trying to do is basically just use the quest to be able to draw two cards a turn so that you can um you can play galvanizer into uh, Mechathune and Plague of Flames with an empty hand and an empty board. And then that will, that will remove your opponent. Um, you do it. The difference between this and the old Mechathune Warlock is you do need to empty your hand manually 
because Cataclysm won't do it for you. But you can play it with a full board, and then Plague of Flames will take care of the rest for you as long as you're as long as your your hand and deck are empty. And it works. It is certainly a, a, a deck you can play, and you will not lose a hundred percent of your games. Like I think I, I I was able to take it onto Brawl and got like four or five wins with it. It was reasonable, but it, it's not it, it's not doing anything. Like you'll you'll probably beat Warriors, and you'll lose to almost everything else. I mean, I could see this beating a mage. The first Plague of Flames against their first full board is really good, and you don't really play for board the same way that yeah. other classes do. And even though it doesn't have any cards over five mana outside of Broodmother, Godfrey, and Mechathune, you still play a Twisting Nether because Zephyrus is in your deck. So yeah. it's, it, I think that this might be relevant if things don't change because you don't have to play for board. And that's really, really important in this meta because a lot of decks are doing that. And being able to play Hellfire and not really suffer be- when you cast it is kind of a different thing than what a lot of the decks are doing because so few people are playing really big board wipes because so much of this meta is about investing. And I like that a lot, but then the only class that are really playing a lot of board wipes, Mage and Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do, the Voodoo Dolls do a lot of work in this list too. I mean, and you do yes. have like, you know, the more, the, the mortal coils and the elven archers to, to activate them. And even a Shige ankle biter in this version of the list. And, and I, you probably could, I mean, the only, the only downside of running a twisting the other is that you have to find time to cast it. Um, which is even Godfrey's kind of a problem in that regard sometimes. Um, yeah. And the brood mothers emptying your hand feels awful with those. I wish they cost five really, really badly, but they cost six yeah. and six yeah. is so much worse than five. Um, you really want to want to uh, supreme archaeology or a tome of origination into them if you can, but you know again that's you can't control that. Yeah. You can't really do well. You can like plot twist it back in your deck and then draw it somehow, but yeah, you can't really control it. it you do also have alternate kills if you hit the Mechathune with supreme archaeology uh, or one of the other combo pieces. You could play both Plague of Flames because then you can voodoo doll your own Mechathune and you can mortal coil your voodoo doll. It's the last card. So if Things get desperate, and you get a little lucky, then you have backup kill options. Yeah, it, It's difficult to play, more so than I expected. It feels like old Shutterwalk combo. Um, it's kind of cool, doesn't really play for board, and Zephyrus is a very, very good card in this deck. It's fun. I agree I wouldn't craft anything for it, but if there's not a nerf round, then this is going to be a large benefactor of that, because as soon as people stop... Uh, playing for board then you kind of benefit because you can churn through your deck and then just play this combo that kills people yeah and i mean as long as you'll you'll beat mage as long as they don't get um you know galaxy early and you'll beat warrior pretty much almost all the time unless they get some sort of like a a pretty good aggro start so yeah it'll be valuable but it's you know and it's a fun challenge like it's different it's it's a fun different way to play and that's that's worth it even just for like a couple days just to try something else. That's a bit of a challenge. And and I don't think there's any there's been anything else with Warlock. That's basically been it. Um it's, unfortunately. the class is kind of struggling design wise right now. Yeah. Even maybe more so than Druid. because uh, Druid they're trying new things and they have an idea of different strategies that Druid can do. Warlock has always been do we have enough healing, yes or no? Yeah. If yes, play something greedy based around life tap. If no, zoo. Yeah, like we haven't played without Spellstone in a long time and now we're feeling like how much of a difference just like that one card. I mean, also Blood Reaver Gul'dan giving you a, a, a hero power that didn't, you know, punch you in the face and, and actively healed you made a big difference too. But like Spellstone in particular was like a really big deal and, and not having that and not having anything like it 
is is starting you're starting to feel the pinch of that in warlock but i i yeah. imagine that you know the third set will be if they're if all else fails they'll they'll pull out some all the stops and push it pretty hard and before we had spellstone we had molten giant and that was kind of your payoff for living mm-hmm. at a lower life total and we also used to be able to survive at 15 you could play jaraxxus and not be dead the next turn yeah and you you couldn't do that last year and now Zephyrus is out and you really can't play Jaraxxus. You cannot play Jaraxxus in this meta under any circumstances because you will get packed every time. Yep. Yep. It, I mean, it'll, it'll just give it to you every single time. So, and, and yes, you can, if you're, if you have not been around since the Og days, yes, you can play, uh, Sacrificial Pact on your opponent's face when they're Jaraxxus. And yes, it does kill them. Um, they could change that interaction. They, they, they could won't. 100% change that they interaction. They will not. They, they made a joke about that interaction in Karazhan. Like, they they will not do it. Well, they, they said uh, a lot of things in Karazhan that they're not keeping up with now. So, I you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if it becomes that desperate that they could change that interaction and make that a little bit more viable as a, as a late-game option. Maybe. But right now, you can't play it. They wouldn't code it into Zephyrus if they didn't want it to happen that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, so let's just get to Warrior. That's the last class. And then if you have time, we can go through a couple questions. Probably not too many because we've already been talking for an hour and 45 minutes. But, um, yeah. but, but hey, we're hitting Warrior and we're starting to get fatigued. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. So, yeah. So, um, uh, there's a, there's a Bomb Warrior that I have, an aggressive Bomb Warrior that I have from Hockey Boys in the list. I just wanted to, I wanted to list it because there are still ways to build Bomb Warrior. Um, Bomb Warrior is not really the Warrior that we're seeing right now, but there are, it's still potentially viable. Um, so that's something you can look at. I, we could talk about Control Warrior first, because that kind of needs less explanation. Um, Naviut's Control Warrior is the one that you listed here. That's kind of the gold standard now. We're, we're taking out, um, you know, some of the slower tools. We're putting in Armagadillo along with Frightened Flunky and Tomb Warden. And we're just like, you know, and just basically, oh, Restless Mummy makes its way into the list that's taking the place of, um, of militia commander because restless mummy is a really good card, and you're just you're you're leaving a super collider in to be able to deal with mages, and otherwise you're just kind of grinding your opponent out and waiting for Elysiana to to finish the game off for you. It's really good. It's really yeah. really good. And tomb warden being a mech is the reason why I think they will eventually they will have to do something about boom now because you could have gotten away with it before with taking the mech tag off of Omega Devastator maybe, or buffing the or bumping the mana cost up of Dynomatic and Devastator. Now that Tomb Warden's a mech, you, you gotta do something. You gotta yeah. do something with the mech interaction in Dr. Boom. You can make them cost one less, you can give them plus one, plus one, you can you can do something different, but you can't put an eight mana mech that duplicates itself along with a six mana taunt that makes it bigger and and just leave Boom alone. Not um, to mention the fact that you can get them off of the hero power on top of it, so you can you're not even limited to two of them. Like yep. you, you can get or frightened I mean, flunky. Yeah, I mean you're gonna get. I mean you're gonna get them out of frightened flunky by design, but you also are just gonna like generate them off of the hero power a fair amount of the time, and and that's just like a brick wall for that a lot of decks just really cannot deal with. And if they're rushing out on top of it, like it's just it's very hard to deal with that. Yep, the deck is really good. It is probably the best deck in the format. Uh, Combo priest is rising, but if combo priest gets big you could easily tweak this deck and put in one to two executes i think honestly the eternum eternium rover shouldn't even be in the deck at this point because yeah. aggro has already started to wind down and really is more of a mid-game stuff and you have enough minion tools i would take naviut's list in the show notes and i would strongly consider taking out one or both rovers for executes just for the priest matchup 
and uh, or you could play one silence or something. You could play a, play an owl or a spellbreaker, whatever or you want to pl- do, or a, pl- or a plague of wrath or something like. Yeah, plague of wrath is good too. That's definitely been good against me multiple times as as the priester in other classes. It's actually a surprisingly relevant card because stuff just bumps into each other a lot in this meta, especially when you're playing restless mummy, which is quite a card. Yeah. I didn't know militia commander needed an upgrade, but that card is no longer good enough for the thirty. This is not the most oppressive bogeyman we've ever had. And honestly, playing against Pocket Galaxy feels worse than playing against this deck. But boy, this deck is just so good at, at all the things it needs to be good at. Yeah, I, I would say the one thing that's keeping this down on ladder is just the fact that on average, the games are 15 minutes. Uh, according yeah. to, to HS Replay, like every list that I looked at was an, a 15 minute average playtime as opposed to every other deck, which was closer to like seven or eight minutes. So like you, you're investing time. And if you get into a mirror, you're, you're going to be there for a while. Um, that was always the case with Old Control Warrior 2, but it goes doubly now because the games seem to take even longer, and even the short games are long. So that that's kind of the one thing that might keep it down is people just valuing their time a little bit more. But, you know, if you can win 60% with this and only 52% with another deck, then you probably you make that that uh, you make that time up somewhere. Yeah, and the games where a boom doesn't come down versus when they do play very, very differently, and you can actually break through the wall if the mechs don't have rush. But when the mechs have rush, it is extremely difficult. Well, also when you're not generating more mechs and when you're not getting seven seven armor to be able to shield slam something, and um, you know when you're when you're not able to like generate bees, like the, there's a lot of things that that hero power does that just make it very oppressive long term. That I don't think we need to go into in in detail, no. just because anyone who's been playing for the last like week knows what they are. But yeah, I I feel like. We're going to see that a lot of this deck gets stole, and then I think it's going to be in for it's going to be time for a change after that. I, I don't know when it'll happen, but I would be very surprised if this is by like the by the beginning of next month if we don't have some sort of an announcement. I would be pretty surprised. And uh, maybe we should have had the disclaimer at the beginning, but I think it's important to mention this meta is super fun and it is very diverse. There are a bunch of decks that are playable, a bunch of decks that can win from a pure strategy standpoint. Some kind of mage with pocket galaxy, conjurer's calling, and a bunch of freezes, or this control warrior list, I think this specific list, honestly, are the things you should be doing. Now, you can win with a bunch of other stuff. You can get legend with almost anything. You can have a 51 or 52% win rate instead of 54 or 55, and you can still absolutely get there with whatever you want to play. The meta is wide open, but the best decks are the best decks. And as of right now, strategically and just in terms of pure power level and play pattern, you're not going to get better than what a mage does when they play Pocket Galaxy on 5 or what a warrior does when they play, play Boom on 7. You cannot beat those two power spikes in the format. They are the best things you can do right now. And maybe there are other options you can build towards. And again, Combo Priest is technically the best deck via win rate. But the metric by which all decks must be judged is how it does against mage and warrior. And if you're bad in both of those matchups, you probably shouldn't be playing what you're playing, and you can still play it, and you might even still win more than you lose with it. But once things start to settle and people lean away from experimentation and towards winning more, things are going to stabilize pretty fast. I'm still loving the meta, and I'm still, I still have 18 deck slots that are full, and every single time I see a new deck, I have to decide which one I want to delete, and there are a lot of decks I don't want to delete. Still really fun, still really enjoying it, still playing a ton of Hearthstone. But Warrior Mage are really, really good. Yeah, really, but, really. But that said, there is another warrior list out there, and oh yeah, and this is I I'm in love with this list. And if you 
you can just get some wins from this list just by people mulliganing wrong because they're going to assume that you're a control warrior. And and for that reason alone, it's something to worth considering. And this is, um, it's I, I don't know if we're calling it aggro or tempo warrior. You can call it whichever you want. I, I I'm featuring the list that I took to twelve wins in brawl a couple of days ago. There's an update to that list that I'll probably also put into the show notes. That's running Grom at the top end instead of uh, an Arcanite Reaper. But this is, um, <gasps> yeah, I know Grom is in in a deck again. Like what what year is this, right? So. This is taking advantage of a lot of the self-damage effects, um, along with some of the new cards like Temple Berserker, which is low-key one of the better cards in the, in the new set that nobody's talking about, and Bloodsworn Mercenary, which is a disgusting, gross card that makes this deck work, which is the three-mana 3-3 three, three that copies a damaged minion. There are some disgusting early plays that you can make with this, with this, um, with this deck, like, um, oh, it also runs Livewire Lance, which is the new weapon that gives you, um, it gives you lackeys. It's running Restless Mummy. And then you've got some upgrades and a Captain Greenskin and Leroy. I think the, the later lists are cutting some of the weapon, the, the weapon buffs in order to just stick more minions in. And then I think they're using a Frightened Flunky just to be able to protect some of the more valuable minions, like Frothing Berserker. And, uh, even like a Mani Berserker sometimes can be a little bit worth, worth, um, protecting. But I've had some games where, like, I went um, Temple Berserker on two into Inner Rage uh, Bloodsworn Mercenary on three. And all of a sudden, I had two five ones and a three three. And the five ones were going to drop three ones. And there's just, like, not a whole lot you can do unless you have very specific answers, like a Master Spell, maybe. And even the Master Spell is. Warpath like, Coin, Warpath. Yeah, Warpath Coin, Warpath, or something like that, that, that can answer this. I mean, you, you can lose to Warrior. Like, I've. I've spent like turn two building up a gigantic, like a five, four frothing berserker on turn two, just to have them, you know, hero power shield slam it. But, you know, a lot of times you can just get up to this really, really quick, um, quick start. And even if you don't get out to a quick start, you have things like, um, copying a Corcron or a Leroy with an inner rage or a, or a cruel taskmaster. And you could do 12 to 16 burst from hand, um, even on an empty board. Yeah. It's, this deck is fun. I like it a lot. It's fun. It feels like old Pirate Warrior without patches and without the, again, the inevitable damage tidal wave. Yeah. Um, or even like Dragon Warrior with uh, Alexstrasza's Champion. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels like a mid-range battle range battle rage deck with a lot of damage from hand. And I like it. It's fun. It's enjoyable. The first time you see a, uh, a Zilliax attached to an Omega Devastator on turn 10, you will, you will close the client. Yeah. Uh, you should probably concede first to be respectful of your opponent's time. Uh, but you will close the client, but I've, I've really liked playing it. And, uh, yeah, Temple Berserkers impressed me a lot. We've talked about Restless Mummy already. I'm going to do it again. Restless Mummy is like one of the best cards in the set. If not yeah. the best card, it might be the best card. It, and it's, um, it's even better when it's giving you plus four attack on a frothing berserker. Yeah. It, it's just, it's good offensively and defensively. And it, it's, I think it is the best card in the set. I'm trying to think of anything else that's even close, honestly. Um, and I can't yeah, there's think some of things that there are some things that are close. I think Bloodsworn Mercenary is actually a better card than it, but it's uh, but it's more versatile than Bloodsworn Mercenary. Yeah, and maybe Zephyrus might be the best yeah. card in the set. Yeah, probably. Um, but like, but Restless Mummy is really good. Yeah, it it's again makes Militia Commander obsolete. It's that's it's significant. Yeah, I mean, it's only, it's only really, like, if you're not playing Zilliax for some reason, which this list wasn't, 
like you'll play one militia commander just to make sure you're getting value off a of town crier like that's that's the only reason it exists in the in deck but it's it's a really really good card and and being able to do six damage as opposed to five is relevant as long as you can kill it off with the first attack so um yeah and, it's, it's so good and tempo tempo warrior is deep enough in terms of card pool that you can play singleton tempo warrior yeah and the deck is still fine and you get to include some real winners like real winners you get to include octosari you get to include assault threes and and like rabid worgen which has been a minute you get to include oh, rampage and heroic strike there's there's quite a few cards in here that like you look at them and you say hey this is almost good enough and singleton's the land of almost good enough and it yeah. suddenly becomes good enough this, this is this like a play of all the cards that don't fit in uh that don't fit in control warrior like that's like this, this is like all the warrior cards that well we would play this if there was another warrior to play and we're just going to stick them all in one deck and go for it yeah and sometimes you get Zephyrus, and Zephyrus is at its best, I think, in aggressive strategies, because you get you you have such a higher likelihood of of just needing that last bit of damage, and it gets you Savage Roar, Bloodlust, or Fireball, or Pyroblast, or whatever. And all those games where your opponent stabilizes at three or whatever just don't happen anymore because you just draw Zephyrus and they just die, is yeah. die immediately. And also, Zephyrus currently does not prioritize weapon removal, so there that's going to be a patch soon. Uh, I am certain of it that they will start putting Swampoos in his pool. But as of right now, all the clips I'm seeing where, where people are upset on Twitch are because weapon removal just basically does not happen unless it's Harrison. It has to be specifically Harrison, uh, cause acidic Swampoos are just not being offered. And, uh, and weird. that's good for you and bad for them. It's, yeah, Shadow Madness is not being seen, but also weapons. Uh, Pear was playing today against an 8-1 hooked scimitar and it did not give her Swampoos. Oh. Yeah, that's so, weird. It, it's it's not prioritizing weapons right now. I don't even know if it's looking at them uh, outside of Harrison, and it might be checking durability and not uh, and not attack. I think that's likely what's happening. I mean, I didn't have any Highlander decks classified in the specialist dashboard this week because I misspelled Zephyr's name. So uh, it could be something like that too, where it's just like a bug, like you know, it's yep. not even it's it, like we're giving them a lot of credit, you know, and it is very difficult. And it could just be like there's, uh, you know, one of these clauses that we thought was getting hit is like inside of another clause. and It's not getting hit. Right. Like it yes. could be something that simple. And PSA for anyone looking for Zephyrus in your connection, in your collection, it is Z-E-P-H-R-Y-S, Zephyrus, Zeph, and then Riss. And I made this mistake about nine times on the first two days of the expansion where I crafted the card. And then couldn't find it in my collection. And it was sending me to Wild for Ginny of Zephyrs, which is not the same card. This yeah. is Zephyrus. Yeah. And and that was in, I lost a lot more than time than that trying to figure out why the hell I was why the hell my logic was. Oh, and your working. code, because you had the Y first. Yep. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm uh, not bringing in any of the new cards. No, I am, because I'm finding Temper Warrior. So yeah. It was <laughs> That's, that's mildly entertaining in retrospect, though at the yes. time I bet it was frustrating. Yes, now we can laugh about it. At the time I was not laughing, but now I can laugh about it. Um, I, I'm going to cut these questions down to a couple. I think there's a, a couple that we can touch on quickly that are relevant, and the rest I'll, I'll thank everybody for sending in the questions because we do want to. I mean, we're almost at two hours now, um, so we'll we'll try to be brief. Um, one of them is just how what was the final count of lists in the Todoist? There's 146 lists in the Todoist that obviously has a fair amount of 
um, of redundancy. And there's a few lists that we've added to the to the show notes that actually weren't in the in to do list. So I'd say it's probably around 150 by the time we were all done with it, which is uh, probably lower than I would have thought. But you know, that's, <laughs> that's um, I'll be honest with you. After the first day, I got so overwhelmed that I stopped putting them to do list because a lot of them were iterations of the same list. Yeah, I did, and too. it was just kind of. It was it was kind of getting a, a little redundant when Highlander Mage. How many Highlander Mages are you going to put in there? Yeah. Because <laughs> if it's off by a card, it's different. Yeah, and and I I was starting and I was starting to find lists that I'd added in multiple times, and yeah, it, it got a little bit messy. But I think it's good to have at least to start with, and um, you know, maybe we'll try to figure out a better a better flow for that. Um, for day okay. one, it's nice for sketching out the archetype, but I think the timeline that we chose of a week in. Is yeah. it about where things start to crystallize? And unless things were all over the place, it'd be kind of hard to miss the, the big player. Yeah. Um, so number three asks, what's your process for trying out a new deck? How do you decide the strategy sequencing as far as card draw allows? Uh, play it badly until I stop. I, yeah. I, like, I, I, what I do, listeners, is not what you should do. I load up all the deck lists and I just jam games. And I switch every two or three decks or two or three games to a different deck because I want to try them all. And that is not a good strategy for learning. And I'm not trying to do anything other than experience. I want the tasting menu. I don't want the, uh, I don't want the main course. Um, but if I pick a deck that I really want to learn, just play games, play a bunch of games, read about it, think about it, look at different choices, see if people are playing it on Twitch. Um, and just play a lot and do things differently from game to game and see what the different decisions do. Because if you say, I should mulligan for this card, and then are constantly mulliganing for it, um, like if it's the quest, and a quest deck, probably keep the quest. But if you keep keeping a certain card, you never know what the game is like without that card. Yeah. Or if you say, I never keep this card in the mulligan, you don't know what the experience is like when you start keeping it. So play it, play a bunch of games, don't invest in your rank as a as a possession that you have and losing a star is a bad thing you need to invest in the deck as a learning experience and then once you do that and you start learning it and figuring out different lines of play that lead to different results that's when you really understand it yeah i've really appreciated the brawl this time around like in both in terms of being a place where it's just not ranked to be to be able to play these decks semi-competitively and also um, forcing me to stick with a deck for more than like two or three games at a time, unless I bomb with it, and then it's probably good to, to switch off of it. But even forcing me after like one loss to keep with the deck until I've I've gotten three losses, and and I think that's been really healthy in terms of being able to figure out some of the nuances of these decks. Because normally I would just bounce around like that, and and even on ladder I will often do that. Um, but the brawl kind of forces you if you want to keep playing the brawl, you 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 either need to retire, which is a waste. Or you need to stick it out and try to get those three wins. And even if you lose the first two, you'll usually end up playing against like some real jank that'll let you get a couple of free wins at the end if you've got um, you know, a decent amount of skill in the game too. I got rebuked twice in the zero win bracket. Um I forget what I was playing, but the rebuke was not good. <laughs> For who? It wasn't uh, no, I mean like it didn't it it was it the dark pharaoh Takan of spell. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I felt rebuked for a turn and then I killed him. Okay. Well, it, it was a very stern rebuke, clearly. Yeah. Um, so Samurai Flea asks, any tips for newer slash free-to-play players during new expansions so that they can enjoy the new expansion without having all the cards? All right. Well, first, Whizbang. Yeah. Not not Zale, because Zale hasn't been updated, but Whizbang has. No. 
And Zale is, Zale is evil, right? Zale is an evil card for evil lackey decks, and that was the focus of the first expansion. It, it came with that expansion. It wasn't meant to reflect deck recipes. Um, beyond Whizbang, so the good news about free-to-play players is you get to save up your gold and dust and wait for the meta to be solved before spending your money on cards that are bad or spending your dust on cards that are bad. The bad news is you have to wait for that. And a lot of that is going to be just kind of mitigating the feeling of the, the fear of missing out, the feeling of missing out. You have to be able to embrace the idea that you get to spectate the meta and then enjoy it closer to the end um, while you grind for the rewards, unless you're really good at saving for stuff. And a lot of that's going to be willingness to play with either budget decks or with the same deck for a little while. Uh, a lot of it's going to be willingness to accept that your win rate's going to be a little bit lower for the beginning of the expansion. Well, actually, the first week probably higher if you play the same deck. And then it'll probably dip a bit as new things get figured out and your deck doesn't adapt as well. Um, it's it's really just emotional management. What it always comes down to whenever Steve and I talk, it's all about emotional management. Uh, you get to watch other people try all the stuff that you don't have to worry about buying, but you also don't get to try it. And it's a, it's a, it's it's a tough situation to be in, but knowing what decks are good and then crafting them at the end of the expansion, and you get to have fun when other people might be starting to get checked out, you just defer it, right? It's later, but it doesn't mean your fun doesn't happen at all. It just means you get to experience it from a different perspective. Yeah, and, and I guess the other thing is that you, like, at the end of the day, Hearthstone is... A, a product that is made in is is made to make money, right? Like that is, I think we kind of we, which is not to say that I don't have empathy because I was free to play for the first year that I played this game too, and uh, but at the end of the day, the game is designed to get you to spend an amount of money on cards. Not it, it's it's a lot lower than you would play in, than you would pay in a lot of other free to play games, to be honest. But it isn't designed to ultimately get you to buy a pre-order or buy a bundle of packs or, or something like that in order to to really get the same experience. And you can get there free to play, but you, you just kind of have to understand and, and accept what you're trading off, right? Like you are trading off a your time for in, instead of money and, and what is each worth to you. And also you're going to be behind the eight ball a lot. Um, it's just it's a it's a reality of being free to play it's going to take you longer because it's designed that way to some extent not not in a predatory way but just in a you know a capitalist way <laughs> that you you need to spend money on packs in order to be competitive at the highest level and that's that's kind of a reality of the game and i mean what i what i eventually did and i know not everyone's in this position but you know like what i eventually did after playing the game for years i i thought about like how much enjoyment i'm getting out of this game versus how many console games or other games am I not buying because of the amount of time I'm spending on Hearthstone. And then I was able to kind of shuffle my budget around and and, and justify the $50 I was going to spend on the pre-order to be able to to make it so that I was going to be able to enjoy the game more. Not everyone's in that not everyone's in that position. And there are people who specialize in budget decks. I imagine Old Guardian has probably already started working on his on his budget decks. He usually has a, a number of um, of budget lists that he puts out and there are other sites that will do the same as well. And, and, or you just take a list and you f figure out what you're missing and you say, can I substitute these cards? You know, the discord's a great place for that. You know, we're pretty good about helping figure out like what's appropriate to, cause that's a whole skill in and of itself is just substituting cards in a, in a list that you don't have. Um, but you know, find some appropriate substitutions and, and just kind of accept that 
your win rate may not be at the same level as people who are playing with the the full set of cards, but it may not it may not be any worse necessarily because people are still figuring out what the optimal cards are. And nobody really knows what the optimal lists are right now. And it's worth noting, and I think it is it is valid to say this particular set is very expensive to try multiple decks. Very expensive. Reno decks are really expensive. There are nine legendary quests where you literally can't play that deck without that quest unless you whiz bang into it. And even though they gave you one quest for free, when you log in, that's it. And there are nine quest decks out there. Now, I think Blizzard did a great job of making sure the quests weren't too good because a lot of these decks are better when you just take the quest out of them. Uh, it's, it's not, these are not must have. Right. But there are a lot of decks you cannot try unless you own one to 10 specific legendaries. And that can feel pretty bad. And I think this set was very well designed. And very cool, and the meta is super diverse, but it's not really all that accessible for free to play. And even as a pay to play player, I talked to a bunch of people where they got the 80 pack pre order and they regretted not getting both or mm. immediately needed to buy more packs and felt kind of constricted on what they could play with an $80 pre order. That's a little unusual. And I think it is a relevant concern because this is kind of an expensive format if you want to play multiple decks. One deck, yeah. probably fine, unless it again is. 20k dust highlander mage but multiple decks right now is is more expensive than it usually is and it's worth recognizing and validating that yeah i mean i was looking at my collection i'm still missing like three legendaries that are pretty core and i've only got 3200 dust left and you know it's like i have to decide what i'm going to play now and play later unless i happen to pull one of them from like one of my last brawl packs because i'm or or you know the the master's tour master's tour soul um twitch drops make sure you're you're even just leaving on twitch in the foreground on a browser while Master Swore Soul is going on, you'll get a couple of free packs. Um, but yeah, it, it is difficult. It's difficult with any new set, and it's certainly going to get, um, you know, it, it's even difficult with a pre-order, and without, it's going to be astronomically more difficult. And it's it just kind of, you're going to have to be patient and let people figure out what the optimal lists are so that you can craft. That's why I keep saying don't craft anything until after the first Vicious Syndicate report comes out, because you're going to waste dust, and you can't afford to do that when you're free to play. Like, your dust is... You don't need to be like a miser, but you also have to be really careful about where you spend that dust. And if you're doing it on whatever the flavor of the week is and then it drops out or somebody refines the list and takes out the legendary that you just crafted, you're you're going to be even further behind than you started. Save your goals. If you are a longtime free to player, this is no different than what you've always done. Uh, if you are new to the game and want to figure out how to break in, I mean, the best the best card to do that with is the credit card. But. If you are not in the position or uh, do not have the desire to do so, then take your time, grind it out, and the best craft that you can have for variety in gameplay is Whizbang. Because you might not win as much, but you will definitely have a large variety in gameplay, and uh, and it'll be a different experience every time, and that's the best way to experience the cards without owning them. Yep, and, and, and at a certain point, if you're going to be competitive in this game, you don't have to buy cards, but you probably will. It's going to like the people who go free to play to legend are extraordinarily skilled at the game and they've played this game with all of the cards already. And, and you'll see these tweets like, oh, free to play to legend. All I had to do was get three 12 win arenas like, bruh, bruh, that's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not a, a something we can presuppose for your average new player. Right. Uh, it's, it, it really depends what you're looking for. And, uh, solo content is a great thing to save your goals for if you just want to play Hearthstone for, for Hearthstone's sake. Um, and, Make friends, borrow decks. You can absolutely make friends and, and borrow decks if you want to try something out. 
to see if you like it. Hey, do you have this deck? I want to try it before I craft it. Because there have been decks I have made because I got beaten by them, and I played them for 5, 10 games, and I was like, I do not like anything about playing this deck. I just don't want to play it. Combo Priest. <laughs> it's Wall Priest. Oh, oh, wall, wall priest. priest. Oh God, wall priest. Thank God. All right. Yeah. Let's end right. the happy note. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's yes. not. Let's not right. talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, I think this set is is good, and I think as soon as they make some of those like slight touches, I think we're gonna re- this this could be the best medicine Sangoro, honestly. Yep. Like, and I, I think it is the yeah. best expansion they've designed in years. Yeah. It just happened to land in a meta that was a little bit off kilter, and and I'm glad it did not correct it because that means the power level of the set is reasonable in the face of unreasonable things. Right, exactly. And and I think that once they make those changes, this this set's going to feel really good. And I'm really like I haven't been this happy with a with a middle of a middle of the year set ever. So, I think that you yeah, know, literally ever. Able, like they were able to make this this meta diverse without like power creeping out the wazoo like they did in in Knights of the Frozen Throne. And that's an that's an achievement. And and hopefully, you know, more like this, please. So, um so hat, I want to make sure that you can tell everyone who does not already know you um, where they can go to find all of the things that you are doing and even your uh, once every four month stream should they uh, should they want to go uh, review that. Okay, so if you want to be disappointed by my streaming schedule, you can go to twitch.tv slash ridiculous hat. Uh, if you want to talk to me, twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. Coinconceit.com uh, is my podcast. Very active Discord. I'm in Discord a lot wherever Hearthstone is discussed, but discord.coinconceit.com is the best one to find me and as well as Steve's and Ray's over at uh, Walk to Work. Those are the three that I haunt the most frequently, I'd say. Um, and my podcast is every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, in 5 o'clock Pacific. Sure. And we we try and make the competitive side of the game more accessible to you, and we go longer form. So if you're used to off-curve, shorter episodes, uh, my podcast is more than that. It's much closer to the length that we are currently at, which is... Two hours and eleven minutes. Yeah, and, and congratulations on two hundred episodes, by the way, because that's a hell well, of an accomplishment. You. And uh, that that two hundred episode was delightful in all the right ways. So, oh man, it was so much fun to make, and then listen back to it. It was like it's gonna be so cool, and it was. Yeah. And it was. It was. A, it was. It was an, an awesome trip down memory lane. So, yes. Where can uh, people find you, Steve? Besides the podcast that they're currently listening to, which they're theoretically subscribed to. Yeah, you can um, you can find me at Wicked Good on Twitter. That's where most of the stuff is. Um, Offcurve.com. I'll have li- links to all the decks that we talked about in the show notes on this for this episode. It will not be in your podcast client because I'm not dealing with Anchor's interface for all these links. So you're gonna have to go to Offcurve.com for this one. Um, you can also find uh, Twitch.Offcurve.com, Discord.Offcurve.com, um, Twitch.Offcurve.com/slash/specialistmeta if you want the specialist data. And um, at Off Curve on Twitter, if uh, you're looking for announcements just of the new episodes when they go live, you can also support the show through the link that you'll find in the show notes as well. If that's something that you would like to do either through iTunes or um, with your cash dollars and either one is super appreciated. So um, had is, is, this was a lot of fun as always. I'm, I can't believe I'm doing another multi-hour show right after doing the card review, but here we are. Um, but I think that talks to how good this, how good this meta is that there's this much to talk about too. So I, I feel really, really happy with how this set turned out and, and I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Yep. As I'm looking forward to jamming more of it, I got a, uh, got an email while we were recording that I have to go and work tonight. So oh, I'm I guess sorry I won't be doing that. Not your fault. Unless you broke a projector in Huntington, which I don't think you did. Um, yeah. 
I mean, one of my kids might have. I mean, one of mine would like to throw feral pigs in the woods to uh, destroy the evidence. But, you know, that's... Feral hogs? How many? uh, At least 30. No more than 50. So it's like the crackle of feral hog. Yes. Yes. It's like crackle of huffers. Yeah. Well, um, (gasps) all right. But yeah, I've been enjoying Hearthstone. You have too. And uh, listeners, I hope you're also enjoying Yes, and I will let you get back to work, and I'll let you all get back to um, whatever whatever podcast you were planning on listening to with the for the last hour and a half <laughs> since, since this show should have ended. So, uh, thank you as always for listening. Um, enjoy the new the new meta, and uh, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Bye.